Hey guys, this is Bruce. Welcome to Combo Courses, where we're going to be talking about open topics today, anything related to cybersecurity, GRC, how to get in this field. This really open topics. Any questions that you guys have, I'm all ears. Um, I do this about once a week if you're interested in joining. I get all these questions on my on TikTok, on YouTube, on email and stuff. And if I'm answering one question, unless it's from like a paid student or something, you know, I'll take the time to talk to them. But if I'm getting like hundreds of different questions and stuff, I can't possibly answer them all. Um, the best way I should say the best way for me to answer them is to answer it to everyone, because a lot of times people have the same questions over and over again. So that's that's what we're doing here in this weekly session that we're doing. And I'm trying to do these more often, more lives. If you join me on YouTube, on Facebook um, and on Twitter, you'll see me doing more lives than I do like on TikTok. TikTok is really just a once a week thing. But let me get into this. I already got some people joining me. Uh, thank you guys on TikTok for joining me early. Somebody says, um, I, I want to know the telltale sign as an Asian woman is um, is using... Oh, what are the telltale signs if a, if a woman is using for you for your green card? <laughs> oh, man. That's nothing to do with, with cybersecurity. Um, and I want to answer this so bad. I want to I answer that question super bad, but I, I have to keep this. I got to keep this a buck. What you can do, Black First, is um, ask me that question. Send me an email and ask me that question, and I'll answer it on my other channel, okay? Because I think, yeah, 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 just just send it to me there because I gotta keep this. I gotta keep this. I gotta focus. Um, I, I want to answer that question though. Uh, let me see. Somebody said, "I am me." Seven eight six one says, "Do you know of any high paying jobs with S SQL certificates only?" Um, yeah, actually, I could tell a story about this. So. I was stationed in, how much could I tell you? I was stationed in the Middle East um, at a at a military installation. And um, the highest paid guy there was, a, was an S, was an, he was, a, he was a DBA. So to answer your question, it's a DBA. So DBAs can make really good money, especially if they have experience, um, if they really know what they're doing with SQL. Um, that guy put me on, on some game. And, and that guy was the highest paid person. He was even higher paid than our, our management because he was the only DBA we had. And, the D, and, and all data goes to the database, went to the Oracle databases that we had. And we had most of our infrastructure, like the backups, the, the, the SIEM devices, the, the IPS devices. A lot of them were using a, D, a database back in to organize all the, the information. So you had to have a real good SQL person to run that. They were the highest paid person on the whole site, including upper level management. Like this dude was very valuable. And that guy would just, and at one time I asked him, I was like, man, how do you do this? How do you do? And he started telling me the, the certifications that I need to have and the level of experience that I need to have. So to answer your question, yes, DBAs. Um, now it depends on your experience level and where you're working. Some companies and Locations are going to pay you more than others, but if you if you really know SQL, if if you uh, want to know which ones to get, I would say Oracle was the top. Oracle, and then probably it'd be or Oracle DBA, and there's different levels of Oracle DBA, and then the other one would be MySQL, which also is owned by 
um, Oracle. And then the other one will be Microsoft SQL. And those are the ones that come to mind. Those are the top ones. But there's definitely other ones that you could do that that are going to be high paying SQL jobs. And I would say that they are very much in demand because because most things, most of the infrastructures run the back end of a lot of infrastructures are databases, mostly Oracle. But you've got uh, Microsoft in the game and, and many other types of databases that are out there. So the answer is yes. And, and try check out DBA, database administrator jobs. Um, let me see. Joseph says, uh, do you need a college degree for cybersecurity or certifications? Are certifications enough? It Joseph, it really depends on the position. The main thing if you're coming into this field is to know the knowledge. There's no there are no exceptions to knowing the information of information technology. There's no exceptions. There's exceptions to um, experience. You, you can come into a job doing cybersecurity or IT with no experience. Um, I can even point you out to where to find those. You can you can find jobs with no college degree. Um, they're not going to be they're not going to be as high paying as the degree jobs for, you know, and I'm sure you can understand that. Um, can you come in with just a certification? Absolutely. You need to know the knowledge, because if you have the knowledge in your head and you have that certification, just those two things alone, you can come into an entry level position. Now, you're not going to get paid a lot for entry level position or a a um, apprentice type position or an internship or anything, you're going to not get paid a lot because they got to teach you. Right. But you can use that as leverage. You can stay there for like one year or something, get all the experience, put that on your resume. And a lot of times they'll want to keep you. If you're a hard worker, if you're like, if you know your stuff, they'll want to keep you. And they'll even, sometimes I've had organizations pay for my degree, pay for my certifications and stuff. So to answer your question, yes, you 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 can get a job with just a certification. And, and this has come from somebody who's seen it happen, you know. So um, if if you want to get in some of the certifications to get, that would be my natural. I mean, if, it, if I were you, that would be my next question would be what certifications should I get? The ones that uh, if you're entry level, probably be security plus um, a plus. If you really don't know anything, if you have no idea, you're coming in from scratch. You really don't know nothing. A plus certification from CompTIA. If you are, you know, you're a geek, you've been doing this for a while. You you know, you built your own uh, server. You know how to you have your own web server. You're a, you're a nerd. You're a geek. You've been doing this. You you're the guy people come to to fix their computer. If you're that guy, security plus. Yeah, try do security plus and that'll security plus is extremely marketable. It's a very good entry level cybersecurity certification. You're not going to just you're not going to walk in the door, and make six figures like some people say you're going to do. Um, you got to come. There's six figure people. If you're coming in off the street like there, something special is going on. If you're making six figures, like it, if you're making six figures, like from start from the jump, then something special is going on. But normally you don't start off making say i'm just being honest with you you know a lot of, there's a lot of people and and to be honest six figures is not a big deal in these days so you can get from here to there to answer your question do you need a, de a degree to get in cybersecurity you do not there are there are uh positions that don't require a cybersecurity degree but if you want to make big money if you want to get to that six figure and above mark you got to get it at some point you're going to have to get a degree um so that that's my two cents, I would say, based off of my own personal experience. 
Um, che from YouTube says, literally just learned my Splunk Core user cert. Earned. Just earned my Splunk Core user cert. Uh, can I apply for an S, uh, SOC position? Can I apply for SOC? Yeah, you can You can apply for SOC positions without a, a, a Splunk cert. But that Splunk, that Splunk certification is huge, brother. That's that's a huge certification now because the government, the U.S. government is really leaning hard on Splunk and they have been for the last few years. So, yeah, man, that's Splunk certification. Right right away, I would put that on your resume and um, and put it right up on top because Splunk is a is a huge keyword. If you know that one, like the job I'm at right now is actually I'm having a no Splunk. You know, so, you know, more Splunk than I do, my man. But uh, yeah, so yeah, you put that on your certification and don't don't just limit yourself to a security operations center, like expand your horizons, man. Look at everything. You know what I mean? Like what I mean to say is like put it on your resume and don't be like have blinders on to just say, oh, I'm the only one secure. I want only want to be a security operations analyst or whatever. No, there's there's lots of other things you can do. There's lots of other um, positions and organizations who really want a Splunk certified person. So just open your horizons by just putting it on the top of your resume. I mean, on the very top of your resume, as a matter of fact, let me see if I can show you guys. I'm going to show you guys my real LinkedIn page here, and I'm going to show you what I would do if I had a Splunk certification. So let me just take you here. Let me just get rid of some of the people just popping up here. I don't have my damn glasses on, man. I'm getting old. My eyes are getting, my eyes are not what they used to be, man. <laughs> it sucks. Man, getting old sucks, man. I'm telling you. But for the for the physical body, it freaking sucks. <laughs> but uh, definitely doesn't suck with experience and and uh in life and everything. Okay, anyway, uh, so what I would do if I were you, so in addition to putting it on my resume and putting it everywhere. See this top part right here on LinkedIn? And you can do this with every single place, by the way, like Indeed, on Dice, on everywhere. Put it right up here. Like, see all these keywords? I put these up here for a reason because a lot of times people are looking for this. And they're not looking for ArcSight no more. They're looking for Splunk. So you would put Splunk right up here, um, right underneath your name. And then there's a portion where you could put you could put your like main features and you put them there. So you would go to, and if you don't have this, you can go to add a section and then you, you'll be able to add it here. And then you, I think what you have to do is go here and then you would put it right here in the headline piece. See that right there? You put that, that keyword right there. As a matter of fact, watch this. Let me, let me show you what I would do if I were you. As, as a matter of fact, this is what you do right here. You go Splunk, because I now know a little bit of Splunk. <laughs> so I can do this. I'm just gonna put that there. Boom. That's what you that's what you need to do right there. And then that, and then you also need to put it, of course, in your skills. In here, there's a place where you can put your skills, and then there's a place where you need to put it in your experience. So that's that's what you need to do if you want to put that on your resume and get jobs for that. But the to answer your questions, yes, you can apply for positions with SLC, but I would expand it if I were you. I would just look for any job, any any position that's offering that that need requires a Splunk guy, because now you're the man. Okay, let me see what else. Um, so some somebody said, "I this is what I really love about this community because I got some some people here who really know what they're talking about who put you guys on some game." Now listen to this. We were just talking about DBAs and how to get into it. 
And somebody asked me the question of, I have an SQL certification, or if I get an SQL certification, what jobs can I get that make six figures? And that was their question. So Sea Turtle just told this said, Sea <laughs> <"C> Turtle Mining. <laughs> That's the name right there. He said, don't just uh don't aim for just the SQL. Um, add it to add it to uh add it to your learning query language, uh, add it to Add to it by, oh, sorry, man, I can't read. Add to it by learning uh, query languages so that you move forward in data science as a, as a data scientist. Yeah. Um, another thing you might want to add to your, to your skill set is prompt engineering. That's learning uh, AI. And then I would also get deeper into one database. Like I would learn Oracle. So I would I would do that if I were you. Um, let me see. Let me see other questions here. Somebody said um, I wasn't in com or IT, but I but how do I get back into DOD cyber? How do I get back into DOD cyber? I need more context from you, my man. I wasn't in com or IT. Do you mean that when you were in the military? You weren't in com or IT, but you want to get back into DOD cyber. Is that what you mean? I'll answer that question when you give me some more context of what you mean. Um, Dan, Dan, the driving man. What the hell? How you doing, man? <laughs> it's been a while. This guy, man, me and this guy, we've been talking to each other for years on online. It's crazy. Um, Bruce, great to see you. I'm in St. Louis, Missouri. Man, stay safe out there. Drive carefully, Dan, Dan. Uh, let me see. Um, sea turtle said that leads to threat hunting and incident response. You, you're referring to the Splunk and SOC stuff. Yeah. So Splunk, Splunk actually in cybersecurity is it's huge. It leads into so many other things. So you got to expand yourself out, not just SOC. But there's so many. There's cybersecurity. OK, let, let me break this down. So if you have a Splunk core certification, besides security operating centers, analysts, like let's say, let's take that one position. If you are a cybersecurity, a security operations center analyst, you've got cybersecurity analysts who are usually the guys on the front line looking at all the data on the screen and stuff and who are using Splunk and ArcSight and all these other scene tools. You got them. You've got threat hunters, just like C Turtle Mining just said. Incident response, incident handling. You've got um, forensics. Actually, network forensics kind of ties into the because a lot of those kind of uh, the forensics, digital forensics, forensics guys will lean on the Splunk dudes to pull data and 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 pull that data in and and figure out what's going on. So there's many different aspects. Uh, of what you want to look into when you get that that Splunk uh, core certification. So that's actually a really good one to have. Let me see here. Let me ask answer some more questions coming from. Let me see. Will the combo courses, will your combo courses prepare me for a career in GRC as a GRC analyst? It will give you great context. Now that brings me to a great a great segue into what I want to talk to you guys about a little bit. 
you guys didn't know, I run a site called Convo Courses. Uh, for those of you who are who are uh, who have no intention of investing in yourself, that's fine. You know, you are welcome here. But if you for those who are willing to take the next step, I've got tons of courses. I got free stuff. I got downloadables. I've got all kinds of things. And Al is asking me about combo courses preparation. So one of my best courses is called is called Foundations Risk Management Framework Information System Security Officer Foundations and. This is for GRC. This is specifically for your government GRC work. And I'm telling you from the perspective of somebody who's doing the job, what you need to do from a practical perspective, what you need to know, how to prepare for it, everything. This is for somebody who has some background in information technology, who's who has something under their belt, and they, they're trying to transition into GRC work. This is walking you through what's called NIST 837 in a very practical way. I'm explaining all the resources you need. I'm explaining documents that you need to do. I'm explaining real world incidents. I'm explaining the actual interview you might have to do. And there's an audio book. There's a six hour audio book that's downloadable. That's summing up that has everything in here. And I'm, I'm still adding to this. And at some point, I'm going to do a complete rewrite and update to this whole thing. But right now, it's still good, man. It's it's still out there. If you guys are interested in it, you know, like there's a free trial that you can mess around with if that's something you want to do. But the answer is yes. If you if you are really serious about this, it's going to walk you through a practical explanation of what you do as a government GRC person, as we call it information system security officer. And you have to know something called the NIST 837 and that's accompanied by another course that I have that goes into the actual families of the security controls and what the documents that you do with that one. That's a much longer course that I still am adding to. And um, I'm building on another one where it's talking about the assessor, this the security control assessor piece. So the whole gambit of everything you need is what I'm talking about from a government GRC. And GRC, for those of you who don't know, is governance, risk and compliance. It's gotten it's getting really, really big right now. I mean, but I've been doing it before it was called GRC. So I know like how literally what you're supposed to do in this field. And, and as a matter of fact, that's what I, what I do right now. I'm, a, I'm an information system security officer right now. So that's my job. Um, so, yes, the answer is yes. All right. Let me see if I can answer another question since we're on the topic of information system security officer for a new information system security officer. What would be the best way to learn the NIST 800 process, specifically how to apply controls and write implementation statements? Um, so the best way to learn, let me give you guys a couple of resources. So the best, the best thing you can do is use a resource on the NIST 800s page. There, there's a couple of things that you need to, to look at. One is NIST 853. And um, and there's a really good site. Let me just show you that that site real quick. NIST 800. Let me see if I can find it real quick. NIST 853A. And there's a really really re good resource I use all the time for this. And I'm going to show you guys in a second. 
Yeah, here it is right here. Let me let me switch my screen real quick and I'll show you what I mean. So this is the site right here. If you type in NIST 853, you'll find this site and a bunch of downloadables that you can use to uh, to learn this stuff. And uh, let me see, let me switch, switch cameras, bear with me real quick. So here's the site. All, all you do is if you want to find this, just type in NIST 800, uh, NIST 853. Man, this is not, man, I really tried to fix this for TikTok and I, I apologize for this. This looks terrible. <laughs> this looks terrible. <laughs> oh man, TikTok. Sorry about that. But anyway, so if you want to see my screen, just go to YouTube, man. But this is NIST 853. So this is all the controls. And so let me just give you an example of what I mean of how you can actually do implementation statements. You can go to go here and um, let's, let's take AC, AC1, which is uh, access control policies, policies and procedures. This right here tells you the template of what is supposed to be, what the organization is supposed to do, right, Javier? So once you know what they're supposed to do, you're going to put that in an implementation statement of how this applies to that specific organization. Now, if they're not doing these things, then, you know, you have to document that. And that's that's the name of the game. The implementation statement is pointing to what we're doing. And if we're not doing it, of course, we would have to put some response, some risk response in there. Risk response might be a plan of action and milestone saying we're going to do it at some point. But right now we don't. They don't have the funds and other resources to do it, but we're working on it or something. I mean, you wouldn't put it in, in, in that informally, but that that's it in a nutshell. So what kinds of things in AC1 would you need to have? You need a, a develop a policy that develops uh, that this, that is disseminated to the following personnel. Like this is defined by the organization and it is going to address the purpose, the scope and the commitment to actually doing the access control policy. And what is it going to have in it? Let me break down what you're going to have in that access control policy. That control policy would be a summarization of all of these AC controls. It would summarize the account management, the, the principle of least privilege, separation of duties. It would summarize these things. The things that apply to you, obviously, if you guys don't have wireless, you wouldn't put and you wouldn't put that in, you know, you just put like we don't use wireless or if you don't have remote access into that particular system, you wouldn't put that. You would put it was it's tailored. Right. So you only put what applies to your organization. So that is how you would. That's one of the best ways to do the implementation statement is go here. Now, another thing you can do, Javier, is you can use my I'm just going to do a shameless plug here. So what I have is a course that talks about this very thing you're talking about. I talk about the implement the implementation statements, the plan of action and milestones, and a lot of other stuff that you, uh, uh, how you would do this in a, in this, I do it in a couple ways. Like I do it in this book right here. And in this book, you can find it on Amazon. Um, there's a whole series of books and then here's the audio book of it. And it's walking you through in layman's terms, how you actually do this. This one's um, not as expensive as the actual walkthrough. I actually have a walkthrough of how to do this as well. And if you're not sure about this, you could you can go ahead and take the introduction of this. Signing up for this, by the way, you'll get access to my newsletter where I'm telling you guys about jobs on a weekly basis. 
trying to do them now on a weekly basis. But here's a breakdown of, of the actual control families, everything I was just talking about, but it's a video. It's literally, I don't know, 10, 12 hours of videos on some of the, the key controls that you need to, to go through. And I'm still adding to this. It's it, When I'm done with this, I don't know how much. It's going to be like 20 hours long once I'm done. I mean, it's it's a beast. I mean, I, I kind of overdid it with this and um, I'm kind of regretting how much I have to put into it. It's so much stuff. It's so many controls. It's like 20 some odd control families. And I've been putting like, I don't know, four hours into each control family, which I probably shouldn't have done. But it's a lot of stuff. And um, that's that's what I would do for an implementation statement. Just. Number one, like if you the source material is the best place to go to, of course, I mean, even stuff I write is based off the source material. I'm just explaining it in a way that makes more sense. And from a from a perspective where it's more practical and, and I'm also I'm going into the risk, uh, risk, ris, risk uh, responses of the organization, how you would word things, downloadables, things like that as well. And you can always contact me if you are a paid student, contact me and say, hey, Bruce, like, how would you word this? Can you give me some resource about this specific? Here's what's going on What's you know, without going into any sensitive information. My students will also contact me without going into anything sensitive. They'll say, here's the situation I have. Here's the here's what's going on. And then I'll give them a specific answer to their question. You know what I mean? So that's another. I don't know how long I'll be able to do this directly with every single student, but right now that's what I do. All right. Thank you for that question, Javier. I probably sold a couple of courses on that one based off of your question. So I appreciate that. Actually, let me go to I'm going to answer some questions on TikTok. I appreciate you guys. I've got a lot of people on TikTok. So let me let me see. Um, I'm going to answer some of these questions. I get so many of these that. Uh, it's a lot. Um, let me go to the top. Oh, my Lord. I got so many questions here. This is wild. How many questions I'm getting on TikTok? It's ridiculous. Wow. Oh, man. How, how is it that this many people are interested in GRC? Times have changed. <laughs> okay, let me see. Um, Daniel says, do you need to know how to make secure apps to be in cybersecurity. So I, I want, okay, let me see if I understand your question. Or trying to, okay, so C-Turtle is saying, okay, maybe he's already answered that question. It looks like he did. Okay, it looks like he already answered that question. Thanks, C-Turtle, I appreciate that. Um. I'm starting a new program to get skills, to get certifications, A plus, security plus, network plus, ITIL, since I'm new. Great start. Great start. The best search that you listed there, the most marketable ones, is security plus and ITIL. Those are very marketable. When you put that on your resume, people will notice it. A plus is really good as an entry level. Like you really don't. It was one of my certifications, I believe, very first certification. Um, thoughts on cybersecurity boot camps. My thoughts, I get this question quite a bit. My thoughts on cybersecurity boot camps is that um, they're most of them are too expensive and you can't cram four days worth. You, you're going to spend five to 20 K on a five, three to five day course, you know, with a guy who's 
a guy like myself who comes there and teaches you directly and gives you all of these documents and stuff for you to, you know, to go through and everything. Um, is it worth it? In my mind, having done some of them before, paid for by the companies I work for, I would say, I would say, no, I'm just going to keep it real to you, with you. If you've already done it, great, you know, but is it worth, are boot camps worth it? If you're going to spend, if you spend 2000 on it, maybe, right? If you spend two, 3000 then that's probably worth it. It depends on what you're learning. But if you're spending like five figures on it, I would say absolutely not. It's better to just go ahead and get a, a degree, man. Like if you're going to spend five figures on some, it's better to just go ahead and get a degree. Uh, associate's degree would be better than that. Uh, to be honest with you, uh, because with an associates from a community college, you would be able to do an internship somewhere. An internship is going to give you experience. It's going to give you more um, hands on internal experience of the organization and the technology. And while you're getting paid, you can get a certification that would, you know. So if it's, you know, it, it depends on the cert, but. It, my opinion of cybersecurity boot camps is is if it's under 5k and it's it's teaching you security plus i would say that was that might be worth it you know especially if you have experience and you're just trying to speed through the process or whatever but another thing is this you can do this on your own you don't need to spend four figures you can literally you can <laughs> you can just buy a book and study study hard you know like it really what all this really takes is discipline and you can't buy discipline you can i suppose you could spend enough money to where you feel obligated to complete it <laughs> i mean that's psychologically but what you really need is self-discipline to sit down there you can buy a 20 dollar book if you're doing an a plus a security plus buy a 20 dollar book 40 50 dollar book and then just study the hell out of it and then pass that certification. Now, if you're if you're looking for the perspective of the teacher, like if you want to you just want to sit down, have a mentor, somebody to mentor you and navigate you through this. You really don't know anything, but you're trying to fast track. I can see why you would want a boot camp. I can understand that. And that's 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 understandable. But I would not spend more than four figures on a boot camp for security for a, for a, a certificate. That's just my two cents. If you're going to spend upwards of 10,000 or more dollars, you should just go get a degree. It's going to take you more time. It's going to take you more discipline. It's going to force you to go through the whole process of learning, but you'll be able to do apprenticeships. You'll be able to do a, a internships. You'll be able to put on your resume. I'm working on a master's degree. I'm working on a bachelor's degree. I'm working on an associate's degree in cybersecurity and IT or whatever. It would be much better for you. So that's just my two cents on it and uh, take it for what it's worth. I'm just some guy who's been doing this for 20 years, but you know, don't listen to me. I'm an ignorant savage. <laughs> okay. Uh, let me see. I got some more questions here from YouTube, from the tubes. Um, Javier said, uh, thank you, sir. I'll look into your course. New government is so here. Oh man. And you're, you're, you're going to definitely benefit from my course. Then if that's the case. And uh, let me see. Hey, Bruce, thanks for the info. No problem, Nabi. Thanks for joining me. Um, JP says he's quite he's talking to Javier. He says um, vulnerability scans will also provide answers to how to mitigate risks 
by providing instructions on how to implement controls. Stig, Stig Viewer will provide benchmarks with instructions. Yeah, that's that's a great a, another great source resource for implementation statements. And the implementation statement is th these are st these are short summaries of what your organization is doing to uh, to install certain security features or implement certain security features on within your organization. So it can be it can be a Linux system, an, uh, a Mac OS system. It can be a Microsoft system. It could be a it can be an endpoint device like a workstation, a laptop or whatever. It can be a server. It can be a whole bunch of servers. It can be it can also be processes. It can be like your your personnel security process like PS2. PS-2 is, is personnel security. Like what is what processes does your organization use whenever a guest comes into the facility? Whenever maintenance comes into the facility, what processes do you have to do? Do they have to get a letter from the upper level management? What do they have to do to get in here and be authorized to come in and have access to certain things? So you're just explaining in a summary what is going on. Like our organization for PS2, for example, PS-2 is personnel security, I believe. And you would say something to the effect of our organization um, requires all personnel, contractors, employees, temporary workers to go through our authentication process, our authorization process to be able to access or have any be anywhere near our information systems. And that process is A, B, C, and D. And then upload a, a you can upload a sample document into your system or refer them to a sample document. Like you would put an artifact in there, an artifact meaning evidence that of what you do. So though th that's kind of Javier, that's kind of what you would do in an implementation, in implementation statement. But if you kind of if you're kind of lost on how do you would word that, you can use the, the organization's own documentation and summarize it. You can use, just like JP says, you can use the vulnerability scan information. Like the scan information tells you how, how this should be implemented. And you would you could put a snippet of how that how it is implemented, if it is implemented that way. Um, and you could put um, a summary of, you could talk directly to the firewall guy. Let's see if you had like SC7 and you had to explain uh, the firewall implement it. You're not a firewall guy. So what I do is I go to the subject matter expert. I go to the firewall guy and say, hey, hey, man, like, here's what, what's going on. I need a short implementation statement of how we have the rules set up to protect our boundary. You know, what kinds of rules do we have in place or whatever? So I, you talk to the subject matter experts, another way that you can uh, get the uh, implementation statements. Hope that helps. Um, let me see here. More about sticks. Okay, let me answer some more TikTok questions. Um, a lot of great information from Sea Turtle Mining. Thank you so much, sir, for your. I love I love uh, hearing. Sometimes I'm learning also from some of the old heads in here. Some of the more experienced people in here. He says, don't stick with just Splunk, though. Explore data lakes 
and query languages around that. Yeah. Daniel says, if if he's going to cybersecurity certs, I'm pretty sure he knows how to to edit in a link page. Okay. He is very focused, answering one at a time question in detail, though on YouTube and TikTok. Okay. Well, the reason the reason why I answer these questions like this, I know it's, it's for some people. It's um, you know I, I talked about this. I did a TikTok video that that blew the hell up where I was talking about how people can't teach because they assume everybody knows everything. <laughs> they assume everybody's on the same level of knowledge. Everybody knows how to edit a link. Everybody no no everybody doesn't know how to edit a link. And the, normally when somebody asks answers asks a question, 50 other people have the same question and they're at different levels of experience. So what I do is I'll take my time to actually answer that question because I'm trying to answer it for 50 If I get one question, normally 100 other people, thousands over time, like when I post these videos, Thousands of people over time are asking me the same question over and over and over again. So what I'll do is I'll go into great detail, start to finish and, and add context around it and explain what's going on. That way, everybody at different levels can understand it. You know, you if you if you know how to change, if you know how to edit links, great, good for you. You know, but some people don't. And then you might get some other nugget of information that was helpful to you, like what is a good keyword to put in there? Or, you know, ArcSight is not as good as Splunk anymore or whatever. So everybody's going to take little bits and pieces out of what I'm saying that's going to benefit them. So that's kind of how my theory behind teaching is that everybody's at different levels and you got to go to where they are. You got to go, you got to take the time to go to, to speak from that person's. That was one of the good things. I know I'm getting in trouble for this, but one of the dope things about Donald Trump, okay, I'm not a Trump supporter, by the way. Okay, let me just put that out there. I don't care if you unsubscribe to me, hate my guts after this, but I'm not I'm not a Trump supporter. <laughs> let me just put that out there. But that motherfucker, that guy, okay, I'm going to kind of keep it PC here. <laughs> that man, what he was really good at is he was really good to speaking to his audience and speaking at their level. He would speak, He and that's why a lot of people would say, man, he he tells it like it is, you know, because that's how they really thought. He was saying things that they were too afraid to say. He was saying he was speaking at their level and they linked up with this dude. That dude was a magnificent. He was really good at talking to his audience. Say what you want about him. But the genius of that guy is that he would not use big words. He would unlike Obama, who is an incredible speaker. Obama was he was a brilliant. He is a brilliant man. The man was the first black uh president uh editor uh, editor in chief at Harvard's um journal Harvard's journal because he was really good at writing and really good at putting uh putting stringing words together he's a great orator he's going to go down in history as one of the greatest orators ever up there with probably Abraham Lincoln when you hear the man speak you're just like what the what the hell this man's a great speaker but but the problem is that he can't he doesn't the the man's vocabulary is so big that sometimes he loses parts of the audience, you know. So he's he's speaking up here, and you got to kind of catch up with him. But Trump would speak at an eighth grade level, and everybody can understand exactly what he's saying. 
and there, you can't mince words. Like he's, he's, it's very clear, you know, it's very clear what he means. And so you got to speak to the power of that, speaking at a level, everybody, the, com, the common denominator is that everybody is understanding what you're saying. And you can always go deep here and there, but you don't want that to be your whole, you know, you don't want that to, you don't want to lose uh, too many people as you're speaking. Like you have to go where people are. So, okay, let me see here. Dan, Dan, the driving man, how you doing, man? Prompt engineer is basically a skill of just asking what you want. I would say it's a little bit more complicated than that, but yes. I'm still learning it myself. Um, um, let me see. I have a problem installing Oracle now. Keep keep giving me an error message, and um, my teachers are clueless too. Google the Google the error messages and go on um, Oracle's knowledge base. They have a knowledge base of of uh, a lot of the errors. What sucks is when you can't find the errors in their knowledge base. Then you're like, you got to go talk to somebody about that because. Uh, let me see. I'm going to answer one more question on TikTok, and then I'll go back to YouTube. Let me see. Somebody said, um, Sea Turtle Mining says, what's your LinkedIn? I will send you mine, and you can understand why I'm commenting the way I do. <laughs> yeah. I will do. I'll do that. Okay, for anybody and everybody on YouTube, on Facebook, wherever, feel free to join me. If you go to LinkedIn, let me just show you my screen real quick. If you go to LinkedIn and you type in and you type in Bruce space CISSP space RMF, you'll see my LinkedIn page. If you want to join me, go for it. I post I'll post short little clips of this and I'll post them on on LinkedIn and stuff and um and you can um join my my group there. And my loop, my newsletter's hot. Like I'm putting, I'm posting jobs and stuff all the time. I'm gaining a huge base of of uh, employers and stuff where I can, um, where you guys can get job offers. But here it is, right here. This is what it looks like. This is one one of my pages. So if you want to join me, go. Feel free to join me. And um, let's. Oh man, so I can't put this. Here it is, right there. This is what it looks like right here on TikTok, guys. So, yeah, feel free to join me. Just type in Bruce space CISSP space RMF and you will find me. But let me answer some more questions here. Open topics today. I don't have anything. Sometimes I'll get on here and teach a solid 30 minutes of NIST 800 or something like that. But today I'm just trying to keep it, keep it open. I got a lot of questions to answer. Let me see here. Let me see if I can answer some more questions on YouTube. Javier says, I came from desk support role. Awesome, man. Like that's where I started. Um, it's in my opinion, one of the best places to start is a, is a desktop support role because you have experience with customers you have experience with with the organ how organizations are supposed to be handle ticketing how it handles incident response you you get like you're getting a view of what's supposed to happen in an organization and then you have the technical side where you got hands on and so i, I found like people in a desktop role who are coming from that world 
rather than your system administrators or from your Linux guru type guys. Um, the, the desktop support people tend to be way more humble and way more willing to learn, whereas Linux guys, system administrators and people like that tend to know everything. Not a, not all, but 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 many. <laughs> they tend to know they know everything like what you can't tell them nothing because they already know everything, you know. Let me see. Let me ask ask another answer another question on TikTok. Great conversation. I appreciate all you guys. Thank you guys for joining me, especially some of you guys who've been in this field for a long time. I really appreciate you so much. Um, Dan Dan says, please tap your screen. Hit that like button. <laughs> Thanks, Dan Dan. I appreciate you, man. I might do a live on the other channel at some point, by the way. I just kind of been reluctant to do it because I don't know how I'm losing so many people. So much audience has left me after my I'm not going to go into it, but. You know, you know, if you already know that other channel, you already know what the deal is. <laughs> uh, let me see. These streams are available on TikTok and YouTube. Thank you, Dan Dan. I appreciate you, man. Love you, man. I love you, man. You're great. You're a great dude. Um, let me see. You wanna you wanna see something cool? Change the HTML display elements on the recapture box and okay i don't know what that means i don't know which where you're going with that one out of context nist 800 uh let me see here i'm trying to I just enrolled in cybersecurity. I'm not, I'm just not at that level yet. Yeah, everybody's at different levels. You know what I mean? You got to start where you are. You know, I'm not, um, in, in cybersecurity, I would say the best place to start from cybersecurity is, is from a place of, of information. If you are an information technology person, you have a well, very well-rounded, you come from like Javier. Javier is coming from an IT support help desk desktop support position and and that's one of the best places to come from because now you know what the organization is supposed to do you know at a, a roots a, a grassroots level what is supposed to what is actually happening to clients to systems to endpoint devices to servers you have a very good insight into what happens in an organization and how it works basic it fundamentals you you got it and that's kind of where you want to start with cybersecurity. I, that being said, I do know a lot of policy guys um, who don't, who are not hands-on with IT, but they still have to know some parts of IT. Like you still have to know the knowledge. You still got to know how computers work. You still have to know how networks work. You still have to know how cloud, like you have to have some basic understanding. Even if you don't have hands-on, you have to know the knowledge. There's no exceptions. But So one of the best places to start is a help desk job, but you don't have to start from the help desk, but you do have to know the knowledge the basic. And I would say that uh, things like CompTIA A plus has a really good solid foundations to start. The terminology and all that kind of stuff is covered in in uh, in a CompTIA A plus certification. And if you if you want to get into IT because you see how secure it is, you see how much money people are making, you see people winning. And there's one thing you could do and people don't talk about this often and they really should. is something called project management. 
just Google it. Type in PMP project management. And I could tell you what it is, but these guys make like up to six figures, depending on where, what state, of course, you what organization you're working for and what experience level you have. They're making upwards of six figures. But what they do is they're managing our processes because a lot of times in, in cybersecurity and desktop support and engineering scientists, we we're we're working on these giant projects and we have to work with one another. I have to cybersecurity guy and me as a as an information security officer, I have to work with the firewall group. There's a whole other group that manages the firewall. I've got to work with the security operations center. I don't do that. That that's, that's this other group over here. I got to work with the IT support specialist, the guys who are on the ground fixing the computers, managing the servers. And so I got to work with upper level management. So we need a project manager to kind of navigate who does what and when. And and that that it's an it's a very important role that pays really well and you don't have to actually be hands-on. You don't really have to know IT to do it. So look into that if you really want to get in. If you're a teacher and you're fed up with all this stuff that you got to deal with and you're stressed out, if you're in a healthcare industry and you're like, man, how can I, I need to change up like this, this career feels too stressful. I'm ready to change my career path. Look into project management because it, it does pay well and it's going to be in demand for a very long time because we as a species are are really heavily relying on information and we have these huge systems that have to be managed we have to manage the security on them we have to manage the the infrastructure of these things and a project manager is there to say okay what are we doing first what's next who do we have dependencies where where do we need to do they're, they're the ones running the meetings a lot of times and getting us all in line so that we're kind of all going in the same direction to maintain these systems. So I hope that helps you guys. Let me see. I got another question. Awesome. Tom says, awesome information here. Thank you. For, thanks for making these videos for everyone. I appreciate it, Tom. Appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you for watching. I appreciate um, everybody who shows up here. Um, let me see. I'm, I'm looking for some questions going to help, help more people. Let me see here. Let me see. I'm going to answer some more. Is online college enough? So if, if you're taking an online course, just make sure it's in, from an accredited college because there's a lot of online colleges that are not accredited. Just it doesn't matter if it's online or not. But what does matter is, is that it's an accredited college. An example of an accredited college is mostly online. I believe mostly online is um, WGU is one that's online. It's got an accelerated course. I believe their prices are pretty pretty good. Um, another one that's online that's in like accelerated adult type. You know, it's it's geared towards working adults. Is a University of Phoenix, which is one that I went to. Is it a high price? Yes. Do they have do they charge too much? Yes. <laughs> Is it a corporation? Yes. But um, it, it's an accredited college. Um, the ones you probably want to avoid are if it's really, really cheap, you, you probably want to check if it's an accredited college because some of them are not. And they're, you know, just I would avoid those. Um, that said, there are some really good community colleges that are online. Like people crap all over community colleges, but man, IT world don't care what college you went to, man. It just it just needs to be accredited. That's it. They don't. They're not like, oh, this guy didn't go to Harvard. 
There's not enough people doing this work. So they don't give a damn if you went to Harvard or Yale. They don't. Nobody gives a damn. I don't give a damn. If I'm doing a resume on somebody, I'm like, wait a minute. Did he go to college? What college was it? It Brown? No, we got to We need people from Yale. No, man. I look at is it a BS, an AS or an MS degree? Cool. It's an AS degree in IT. Great. All right. That that box is checked. That's what we do. I'm telling you, you know, I mean, will it give you some kudos if you went to Harvard? Yes. Like you'd be like, wow, this effort went to she went to Harvard. That's pretty cool. Next, you know, like that. That's we just want people to do the work. That's it. Um, somebody said, yo, what is it like being a cybersecurity person? It depends, sir, on what type of cybersecurity job you do. I've done several different roles. I can speak very intimately and deeply on those things, but there's different. I'll just there's I would say there's three main areas. One would be highly technical. One would be policy work, GRC, that's stuff I do. And then another one will be like a management type position. Those are three different levels. I would say the technical side, I've done the technical side before. And in, in some ways, the technical is a little bit more chill as far as emotionally. Emotionally, it's a little bit more chill, but technically it's more challenging. You have to know whatever system you're on, whether you're doing a firewall or an IPS or an IDS, an intrusion protection system or an intrusion detection system. Or if you're uh, you're on a security operations center and you have to look at all these packets and, and break the packets apart and stuff like that. Very, very technical. And you got to be on your game all the time. You're always studying, always being on top of what's going on because it's constantly evolving and changing and, and that. But the emotional side, you're not as stressed out. The policy side, the stuff I do in the manager side tends to be a little bit more stressful because it pays better. You don't have you, you don't have to be as on top of the technical side. You learn the laws, you learn the policies and stuff, and then pretty much you're good. But the challenge is dealing with different levels of attitudes. You, you have to deal with different, not just different levels of knowledge, so you got to be able to speak the technical language to the technical people because you got to talk to them. You got to you got to talk to the C-level executives. You got to be very brief to the point and know exactly what you're talking about because they don't have a lot of time. And then you got to talk to the managers in different parts of the organization. You got to speak their language. The stressful part comes in when there's a breach, there's a data breach or something like that means organization got hacked it can get very stressful or you have a bunch of vulnerabilities coming in and organizations like, Hey, why we have all these vulnerabilities? What's going on? And you got to be able to say, okay, here's what's going on. Here's, here's what we're doing to solve it. I've just talked to these people and they said that they're going to do X, Y, and Z. You got to be very calm. You know, you can't take stuff personally because people get in their feelings when stuff's getting hacked and their livelihoods on the line, they're stressed out. So sometimes they'll, they'll they're talking to you in a different kind of way. So you got to be patient. In my experience, it can get stressful, to be honest with you. Cybersecurity can get very stressful, mm -hmm. unlike some of the other fields, like if you're a network engineer or if you're a desk, well, now desktop support can get pretty stressful. But if you're uh, doing firewall stuff and you're doing network security engineering or something like that, it's more technical. You're in a closet fixing stuff. People aren't really talking to you, but you got to really, 
you got to really be on your game. Logically meant like, you know, the technical side is what comes in play. But if you're doing like if you're doing this kind of stuff, it, it can get stressful. It, the day to day, it's a lot of meetings. It's a lot of talking to people um, and stuff like that. So that's that's what my day is like. It's a lot of meetings. It's a lot of managing plan of action and milestones, um, managing vulnerabilities, um, helping to figure out like how we're going to fix stuff. And sometimes people get very emotional about that kind of thing because people's livelihoods and money and time and energy is involved and stuff like that. So is, is it worth it? Yes, it's 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 definitely worth it. Um, I work from home. I make six figures. Um, it's dope. And some jobs I've had, I've been able to travel, not this job, but I've been able to travel the world and stuff like that. So uh, it's it's great for what I need right now. Uh, let me see. Brand, let me answer some YouTube questions. What the heck? Brandon says, I can't answer this question, but I think somebody can. He says, hey, Bruce, what's the difference between a JSIG and a risk management framework? So I don't know what SG, S, uh, JSIG is. A JSIG, I don't know what that is, but a risk management framework, I could tell you all about that. And Tom says, the JSIG is a TSAP information, <laughs> is a TSAP, a, T, a TSSAP implementation of risk management framework using the NIST 853 and the NIST 837 to be used in a closed environment. So I think think what you're saying is a top secret uh man i used to work on a system like this but it was a long time ago so it's it's a closed environment so this is is a highly sensitive system so it's another name for highly sensitive system that is using nist 853 and 850 Hmm. Learn something new every day. I didn't know that. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> and Brandon said, thanks, Tom. <laughs> I had no idea what that is. <laughs> um, you aren't alone. You have you have to see uh, ISSE who has technical knowledge on implementing security controls. OK, let me see. Also, the JC came out in uh, 2016. Wow. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks again, Tom. <laughs> uh, let me see. Dan, Dan, how you doing, man? This this dude, man. Thanks. Thanks for all your support, man. You're, you're a great dude, Dan, Dan. He said thumbs up. Thumbs up if you're on YouTube. Tom says, uh, I feel A plus certification is the best certification. It is the best first certification a person can get. You get a good understanding of technical of the tech and and computers so that you have a better you have, you know how to secure them better. Yes, I would agree with that, Tom. I, I totally agree with that. As a matter of fact, it was my first certification. So I you know, I, I repeat it over and over again, but it was my first certification. I get a lot of people asking me that question, like what certification should I get? I'm trying to get in this field. And for me, the what you really need to know to get in, into in, to cybersecurity is you have to have a really good, solid understanding of information technology and how it works. So what the CompTIA A plus does is it's the the way that they break out the knowledge is, is 
it's giving you all the common body of knowledge that you have to know to get into IT period. I, so, so cybersecurity is a is a is a branch of information technology, if that makes any sense. Like your foundation, if your foundation of cybersecurity is information technology, because you know we're securing information technology, so you got to know what how it works, like how how the RAM works with the CPU, works with the storage. How does that? How's the networking work? How how do IPs? What kinds of IPs? Addresses are there. What what is a public IP versus a private IP? What's the difference between those? What would be what would be the problem with having a a internal system with a publicly available IP address? Why would what would that be the problem with that? You would know that if you went through a plus certification. What what is the problem with having any any on a firewall? You know, you would know you don't you don't have to be an expert on firewalls to know the basics of how a firewall works and what are some of the best security practices and the best technical practices of implementing a firewall or implementing a, a endpoint system or server. So once you know those things, you can build on different levels and layers of being an IT uh, cybersecurity person. So you want to just like Tom is saying here, an A plus certification is a very good start. Now, if you already know this, if you're the resident geek, if people are coming to you to clear out their 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 viruses and their malware on their system, you can remove a rootkit from from a system. You've built your own gaming servers. You've been doing this for quite some time. You just don't have the titles. Go to a Security Plus. You don't. You probably don't. You know. Go to a Security Plus. You probably just go straight to that. Um, because you already know the terminology, you already know how networking works, you already know how to set up networks. Go to Security Plus and get and do that. You know, so thank you, Tom. Thanks for that information. It's great information, man. Uh, let me ask answer some more questions. Hey, just joining. Do you have a degree? Yes, I have a bachelor's degree in information technology from the University of Phoenix, which is an accredited college um, that is online. Um, and I think I have an associate's degree from the Community College of the Air Force. And um, I got all those as an adult. As, as an adult. Um, let me see. More questions on TikTok. Thank you guys so much. Somebody said it's stressful doing cybersecurity. Yeah. I, yes. I can't disagree with that. Stressful is subjective. Yes. Is the field easy to get into? Um, That's relative, but I would say compared to some other things, cybersecurity itself has a, there's a learning curve, I'd say. I wouldn't say it was hard, but I'd say that there is a learning curve because you have to, you have to know the knowledge. There's a, there's a certain level of technical knowledge you need to know. It's not like, it's not, it's not a job you can just, how do I put this? I'm just going to put it to you like this. There is a learning curve and there's probably anywhere from six months to a year of learning um, before you even, before you can even apply to any IT job. Um, because there is a, there, you've got to learn the basics of information technology first. Now that that might take somebody two months to learn. Like you could probably get a book if you give her a freaking super genius, and you could just read through a book and be like, "Okay, got it," you know. Or you've already been working on computers for a while, and you want to read a couple books about it. Um, 
yeah, maybe maybe two months if you've been doing this for a long time already. If you've been already been working with computers, I noticed like Gen Z is w super smart on computers. <laughs> My freaking kids know how to set up networks. I mean, I'm like, what the hell? Like they know basic basic stuff. You know, they don't know like subnet masking and shit like that. But they know how to set up. Like they can set up. That's something that I I don't know. My generation is a little bit dumber on. So. It depends on your to answer question. Is it easy? I would say overall, no, it's not. It's not compared to most things. It's not easy. But honestly, it it's it's going to pay you. It's worth it is worth it. I would say that I, it was absolutely worth getting into. Is it easy? No, it's not easy. No. Um, can you do it? Yes, you can. You can do it. If I can do it, you can do it. I'm a, I'm a high school dropout. I have PTSD. Um, I'm, I can barely read. I mean, you can see me struggling to read basic things on a screen. You know what I mean? Like I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. Um, I'm good at working with people. I'm good at speaking. I'm good at, um, put, I'm good at stringing words together. That's for sure. But I'm, I'm, I'm not a mathematician. I don't know how to, I can barely get my way through programming. I have tenacity. I have patience. That's what stand that that's something that I have that most people don't. Um, I'm willing to learn. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to learn. And that's a big piece of this whole thing. Uh, was this easy to get into? It's not. There's, there's probably six months to a year of learning. And, but once you get in, you can, you, it's recession proof. I could tell you that much. Uh, let me see. I'm just thinking about getting into, I've been thinking about getting into this for the longest. I'm 30. Is it too late? So I get, I get that question a lot. Um, don't say that I'm 32 and I have zero experience with IT. <laughs> uh, I love this conversation. No. So it's not too late. I, I get it from people who are 50, who are 60. It's not too late to learn information technologies. It's, it is not too late. Um, this is not like there's there's levels to this. There's levels to this. Um, it, it's not too late. Whatever age you happen to be at, it's absolutely not too late. As a matter of fact, we really need all ages. We need Gen Z because, you know, our, us boomers and, and Gen Z guys, Gen X guys are we're out of here in a few years. I mean, we're out of here one way or another. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so Gen Z is going to take the torch. So we absolutely need you guys. Um, Gen Z guys, you know, so start, start where you are. If you're in high school, start where you are, start learning it, crack open a book, go to, go to Amazon, type in computer security, computer, I, how to fix a computer, like do it yourself, take your computer, start messing around with your own network. Um, if you're older and you're, you're, let's say you're 60, 62 and you just like this stuff, man, do it, do it. Don't what's, what's waste. What are you waiting for? Do it. Do it because you want to do it. You know, it's not too late to get into this. It's absolutely not too late. Um, is it going to be a learning curve for you? It will be. <laughs> it will be. Now, if you're trying to get in this for money and you're 62, you're 55, whatever, I would highly recommend that you try to do a uh, look into project management. Project management pays very well. It's recession proof. You can do some of it remotely. It has a lot of the benefits 
of what we do, cybersecurity, GRC, information technology. It has a lot of the benefits of, as far as pay and being recession proof. But it doesn't. The one thing it doesn't have is the six months to a year of IT learning that you're going to have to do. You know, um, it has less of a learning curve, so you can kind of start getting in there. And plus, you you have if you're already 55, 60 plus, you already have experience dealing with difficult people. And that's one of the hardest things about cybersecurity is dealing with difficult people. And project managers have to deal with difficult people as well. But you have the maturity that it takes to call somebody on the phone. And talk to them like they're a person, which is a lot of IT people don't have that. But, you know, if you happen to be an older person, you have more patience. I've noticed like working with I've worked with millennials, boomers and Gen X. And um, I have to say in IT. Now, this is not to say all boomers and Gen X are great because some of them are complete assholes complete at they they you get their power and it goes to the head and they just destroy everything <laughs> I mean, just absolute what's the word twat i don't know what the word it's i can't find a good enough word to describe these people but i've noticed like some of the older people i have a easier time if especially if the situation's stressful they're just calm they're just chill it's like okay how let's work this out what can we do you know and they're not freaking out because they see they've seen work way worse situations so they you know it's not a life or death situation we're just trying to fix this problem let's just put our heads together and i really love working with people like that but my millennials a lot of millennials i work with uh i don't work for any with any gen z not many um but the millennials holy crap like some of them panic they're just Something's happened and they are they are panicking. <laughs> they are like, what the hell? Are we gonna, you know, where where is this information at? Where are we gonna do? I'm like, yo, like, chill out. <laughs> like, let's calm down here. You know, nobody's gonna die. All right, let me see. Let me answer another question from YouTube. Okay, here's a good question. Victor Davis says, What what's the career path for an information system security officer? It's a great Question. So let me back it up first and explain what is an information security officer, information system security officer, also known as an ISSO. So this is the government version of a GRC policy person or governance, risk and compliance person. And what these guys do is they're managing the risk and the security posture of an organization. What is what does that mean? So what I mean is, like, let's say take any organization. Anyone, banks, hospitals, government organizations, these guys are managing very critical information. They're, they're managing your social security numbers, your classified information. They're managing, you name it, right? Very important information is being processed by this organization. Now, they have to protect this information and they have to protect the systems that are processing, transmitting or storing this information. And there's a certain level of risk that every organization has to take. If you're a hospital, you have to take the risk of putting, let's say, a page out to, to have people sign up for their COVID test or whatever. You have to, if you're a bank, you have to have a mobile device so people can log in. There's a certain level of risk, right, for everything. So as an ISO, as an information system security officer, as a, as a GRC person, what you're doing is saying, okay, we have to take a, a certain level of risk. 
How do we manage this risk? And it's not you that's making these decisions, by the way. It's the organization, but they're leaning on you to know the policies, the regulations of your industry. Now, if you're in healthcare, HIPAA is something you got to know. If you are in the financial sector, it's Sarbanes-Oxley and stuff like that, um, auditing, stuff like that. If you're in government, it's something called NIST 800-800 series, risk management framework. And there's many other ones. There's international standards. There's all there's PCI compliance for Walmart and Target that's protecting credit card information. There's different kinds of policies, um, governance and risk and compliance things. And these are like codified. They're like in a document that tells you, you must do this. You must do that. You're, you're, you must have multi-factor authentication. You must have, it spells it out. Like it tells you everything you're supposed to do. Me as a GRC person, as an information system security officer, has to know those rules. And every organization has specific rules to meet government, uh, state, and local standards and regulations. So the policies is kind of like our Bible. Like we go through the policies and we're like, okay, what does this organization, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to have a plan of action milestone on anything that's over 80 days long or whatever. We need to, we have to fix every single critical control. We have to, there, there's different rules, but we as information systems security officers have to do that. Now they're, they're asking, what is the career path of an ISO? The career path of an ISO is the number one, you need to know how computers work. You need to know how computers process, store, and transmit information. You need to know the difference between a CPU, a RAM, uh, RAM, random access memory, and storage. You need to know how information goes from point A to point B. You don't have to be a subject matter expert on these things. You don't have to go super deep. You don't have to know how to build computers from scratch. You don't have to be freaking Turing and know how to code. You don't have to. I don't know. I'm not a coder. I'm not a hacker. You don't have to know how to pen test. You don't have to know Nmap. You don't have to know Kali Linux to you know be able to hack systems. I don't need. I don't have to know any of that stuff. Um, pro, does it work? Does it help? Yes, it helps to know programming. It helps to know Python. It helps to know you know, some kind of programming or something like that. But do, you, do I have to know it? No, I don't. It's not a requirement of my job. Um, what I do have to know is the basics of how computers work. So the very first step in this path is to understand how computers work. So if you're starting from scratch and you wanted a certification, one of the best things you can do is to get a degree in this, but you don't have to get a degree. Um, it doesn't help. It absolutely freaking helps to have a degree. Um, but is it required? No, there are positions in information system security officer that don't require a degree, but you have to come with experience. Um, what everything requires, no matter what, is the information. So you have to know how computers work and how how networks how networking works. And one of the certifications you can get to do that, if you can't afford a degree, if you're not getting a degree or whatever the case may be, um, is an A plus certification. If you know nothing. And now if you already know something, you're a geek, you're you're on the help desk, you've been doing it for 15 years, you're trying to transfer into information security officer or GRC work because you really want to get this security plus. There's a certification called security plus, and it's going to teach you most of a lot of what you need to know to get your foot in the door. The path is no information technology. Um, then uh, get deeper into the best security practices. 
and then know whatever whatever security standard that you need. Security standards are things like NIST 853, uh, NIST 837, ISO 27001, PCI DSS, COBIT, Sarbanes-Oxley, SOC, SOC 2. Um, there's many. There's many, many, many. You don't have to know them all. If you're in the government, there's one that you need to know. If you're in healthcare, there's one that you really need to know. If you're in the financial sector, there's one that you really need to know. If you're in retail, whatever whatever organization you're in, you need to know that one. You know, if you're if you're a privacy person in Europe, you need to know GDRP. G G D is it GDRP or GDPR? GDPR. I think it's GDPR. I don't see. I don't know them all. So, um that's the career path. Know the get the knowledge, know the security best practices, and then know the whatever um, whatever framework that you're gonna be in. And the government, it's it's NIST 853. Put all that stuff on your resume too. I hope that helps. I go into much greater detail on my free course, by the way. If you go to com if you go to combocourses.com. There's a free course called Cybersecurity Entry Level. And everything I just said, I go into much greater detail. And I'm telling you, I think it's two, it's like three hour, four hour course free. And I'm telling you, here's what you need to know at this stage. Here's what you need to know at this stage. Here's what you need to know at this stage. And I'm telling you, here's a resource. You need to go do this. Here's a resource. You need to go this. Here, here's how you can get experience with this. That's what I'm talking about. Stuff like this, but in greater detail like this is for very serious people who are really trying to take the next step and it's it's free so and and the, the cost is for you to sign up for my newsletter where i offer jobs <laughs> so you know there's no downside to it john says um for a green card holder how can i get a security control assessor job so um john great question by the way so john um the reason why you're asking this is because a lot of security control assessor jobs for the government require you to be uh, eligible for a security clearance. I imagine that's why you're asking. And eligibility for security clearance usually requires that you're a U.S. citizen. But the last job that I worked at, I was a risk assessor. I was, you don't, so there's different kinds of assessors, all right? So there's the assessor that I was, I was working for. I was working for Verizon, which is a privately held company. And I wasn't, I didn't require that. We had many people who were not American citizens. We, as a matter of fact, we had people in South America. We had people working in South, uh, in Southeast Asia. We had people working in Europe and it was a private organization. So we have customers all over the world. And these, not only were they, you know, not, they weren't even green car holders. They were literally citizens of another country and they were, we needed them because they, we needed them to speak other languages. We needed them to interface with different banks and other regions of the world and stuff. So you, let me just expand the borders of your question and say, you can get an assessor job, an assessor job uh, for many different industries. You don't have to be an American citizen. You, you don't have to be a green car holder. You know, if you know the knowledge, um, you can get these jobs. How do you find them? What do you do? Um, what you're going to do is you're going to go to Indeed.com. You're going to go to Dice.com. You're going to go to that whatever country that you're trying to do. Like you, there's a hierarchy of job um, of job sites that you can go to. Like if you happen to be in India, they have a 
they have a top five job sites that you can go to. Um, if in the U.S. it's Monster, Dice, LinkedIn, Indeed. There's other ones, Career Jet. There's probably there's hundreds. There's hundreds and thousands of ones, but those are the ones that I just mentioned are the ones you want to put your resume on. Um, and then what you want to do is put keywords that you are an assessor. Put all of your assessor skills on there. Anytime you assessed a policy or procedure, anytime you ran a scan using Nessus or whatever Qualys or whatever scanner you use. Uh, talk about your wireless experience doing assessments on that. Talk about your um, physical security assessments. Talk about put all that on your resume and then you will be get picked up by different organizations and agencies. So that's how you do it. Now, if you are interested in this, if you're very serious, check out my resume. You can download it for free. Check in LinkedIn bio. You can actually go to ConvoCourses.com. It's there. And download my resume. You'll see an example of how you should write your ATS-style resume. And ATS-style stands for Application Tracking Software. And it's a very simplified breakdown. But the way that you word it and the keywords is really the content inside of it is really what's going to get you those jobs. Another thing you can do is check out my book. I have a book. If you go to... Um, Go to, uh, I don't know, it's all over. It's, it's on Barnes & Noble. It's on, um, I want to say it's on Apple. It's on Amazon. Wherever your favorite book place is, type in uh, cybersecurity jobs uh, marketing. And then my book will come up and it walks you through exactly what I've been doing for the last 20 years to get tons and tons of jobs, more jobs than I know what to do with. And you don't have to be an American citizen. You don't have to be a green card holder. You don't, you don't even have to be in cybersecurity. The techniques I'm teaching you will get you a job. It will get you a job. I don't know what kind of job is going to get you. I can't guarantee where it's going to get you that job. I can't guarantee that you're going to like the job or it's going to pay you six figures, but it will get you a job. It, it will get you opportunities to get a job. So hope that helps. Um, can I ask, like, what's the pay grade of getting into cybersecurity? Yes. So um, let me let me show you some some facts. Here. I'm getting so many questions, guys. I'll, I'm not going to get to all these questions, but I'll, I'll do my best. Let me kind of speed through these to kind of let me show you my screen. First of all, cybersecurity jobs. Bear with me here while I switch my screen. Cybersecurity job. Look at this chat GPT right here. This is dope. So this is this is plug-in. Put you guys on some quick crazy game. That chat GPT is merged with uh with your search results. This is this is fire right here. I'm gonna talk all about this stuff. Anyway, I got sidetracked. Um uh, let me see here. Let me show you my screen on TikTok. Here it is right here. So I just, this is Google, all right? This is Google right here. And all I did was type in cybersecurity jobs. And what we're gonna do is, there's a ton of jobs you can get right here, by the way. Um, and not all of them require experience, but you gotta have the knowledge. Anyway, we're not talking about that. You ask me, what's the salary? Let me show you. So there it is right there. That's the entry level salary for a cyber, entry level cybersecurity person. Not bad, huh? Not bad for a start. This is why people want to get in this field. And look at that. Yep, that's true. That These are facts. 
Yeah. And actually, I make a lot more than that. So it's real. Uh, it's it's the learning curve is there. But yeah, hope that answers your question. Um, let me see. Let me see. I'm going to answer another TikTok. Let me kind of get through these TikTok. Questions. I'm getting so many guys. I'm trying to answer them as thoroughly as I can, but I'm getting so many. Um, do you have a course? I'm going to go. I'm going to let's I'm going to do a speed run through these and see if I can get through all of them. Do you have a course? And is there where can I find it? Yes, I have a course. It's, it's on combocourses.com. And you can also check in my link in bio, link in description, and then you can access my course. I've got free stuff, free downloadables. I've got paid courses. I've got payment plans, all that kind of stuff that you can get in. And if you're a paid student, I will answer your questions directly. I don't know how long I can do that. But right now is a golden opportunity to talk to somebody who's in the inside directly. I can tell you exactly how to do all the stuff I'm doing. Okay, next question. Uh, which contact email is best for viewers? Contact email is con contact at combocourses.com. Um, I would love your podcast. Love listening. And I love your podcast. Love yeah, If you guys didn't know, I have a podcast. It's called Combo Courses Podcast. And everything I'm this, basically this live, us interacting like this, me talking to you guys, that goes on this podcast. And sometimes I'll do just some crazy extra podcast out of nowhere that's, that doesn't end up on these lives. So check out my podcast. It's on Podbean. Just go to Google, type in Co Combo Courses Podcast. You'll find it. All right. What are your thoughts on SANS Institute courses? SANS is OTS, officially the shit. That's what we used to call it in, in the Air Force. It is awesome. SANS is incredible. SANS has some of the best cybersecurity analysts I've ever seen in my life. Um, they're, they're, they've got this course called the GCIA, which has, it produces some of the best analysts I've ever seen. It's incredible. Um, I, I love SANS courses. I've, I've always wanted to take them. They're a little bit too expensive for me. So I'm waiting for a company to pay for one of them, but um, their GPAN is, is dope. Their GCIA, H is dope. Their GCIA is dope. SANS is incredible. It's one of the best and top certifications that you can get in IT, in, in, especially in cybersecurity. Hands down, one of the dope. And it's an open book. Check this out. SANS has open book tests. Now, the first time I heard this, I was like, what kind of that? What kind of how does that even work? So I love how they, the, the thinking behind this is brilliant. So what they do is you got to get I think you have to take their labs or you got to take their it's expensive because you got to buy all their material. I believe it's like it's literally like five or six thousand. It's very expensive. But you get all of their course material and then you got to go through it and it, it's open book. So they're saying like you have if you understand it enough, you know where to go in their source material. And anytime you're in cybersecurity anyway, you've got to do research on it. You've got you you have to go to Google. You have to read a book. You have to resources. There's too much information for us to know right off the top of our head to do to do anything without some kind of reading the effing manual. So so a lot of times, like if I'm doing Splunk, for example, I have to Google it. I have to Google what command I use to find the most recent um, person in a certain part of our department 
who has misauthenticated 15 times in 30 seconds. Like, I don't know that off the top of my head. Some people do. But then I have to know, okay, what kind of firewall rules on a Palo Alto system do we need to have in place for this federal regulation? Like, am I going to know that off the top of my head? No. So you got to research. So SANS Institute, they say it's an open book test and you, you got to buy all the material and then you're going through it. And, th and that's how you get the certification. It's incredible. And and the people who I've worked with who are SANS graduates, who have the cert SANS certifications, nobody can F with these guys. Nobody can. Not a CISSP, not a, a CCNP, not a these guys really knew what the hell they were doing. And they didn't have the book in front of them. They just knew it stuff off the top of their head because that's how people learn, I think. So SANS is incredible. Um, I just went off on a tangent there. So let me answer questions faster. All right. Tom says A plus. Okay, I already read that one. Okay, I read that one. Green car holder, read that one. Um, WGU is a good one. Very economical prices. I agree with that. Um, Prevail Fire Prayer says, uh, can I get a company that trains me? Can I get a company that trains me? There's tons of companies that train you. Um, I would start off prevail. I would start off if I were you, because if you go to a company that's going to train you on this, it's going to be pretty expensive. But what you want to do to start, I'm not telling you don't do it. You should at some point. It's great. Um, but I would start off with, especially if you're new to this, go to YouTube and look for some free courses. Go, go to courses that are under 200 bucks and start there. See if you even want to do this. Start off there. Then once you, let's say you go through the whole course and you're like, I want more. Buy a book. 20, 30 bucks. Buy a book. Go through the whole book. Start learning. You got to see if this is something you want to do, right? If this is something you want to do, then you can start saying, okay, I need a degree. And here's another thing. If you start off from the YouTube from a $200 course, if you start off like that, if you're in another industry and you're trying to come in from scratch, it's going to start to guide you on the right direction. It's going to tell you what certifications to get. It's going to be like, okay, if you're at this level, get an A+. If you're at this level, or they might be like, nah, don't mess with the A+. It's a waste of your time. Go do this certification. You'll start to get guidance from different um, from different ex subject matter experts on this. And you'll start to know what direction you want to go, whether you want to get a degree. You might even want to go to get a degree and not even mess with one of these boot camps. You might even want to do that. And I personally would not recommend a boot camp. I would recommend going to college instead, personally, because you might you can go to a boot camp from college. OK, let me answer some more questions. All right. Here's another one. How do you carry out step three implementation step? I'm struggling with that. Um Easy peasy, baby. So step three of the risk management framework process is, okay, step zero is prepare. Step one, I guess, would be prepare. Step two would be, well, step zero would be prepared. That's like getting to making sure everybody knows what's going on, talking to the stakeholders, make sure everybody know, knows what's about to happen in this 837 process. Step one is categorization, security categorization. What category do we have for this particular system? Is it a, a high, a moderate, or a low system? Um, and then step two, step two, 
step two is sec selecting the controls. Like what control families do we need to put on the system to secure it? And then step three, which is your question, Brandon, is how do we implement those controls? We know what classification of controls. We have the set of security controls we need to put on it. Now, how do we implement it? There's a few ways. Number one, the vendor. If you happen to be a, in a Microsoft system, a server, a, a workstation, whatever, the vendor is going to be the, one of the best places to go for best practice, best security practices. Another one is STIGS, Security Technical Implementation Guides from DISA, um, which is the Department of Defense. Those guys have one of the best implementation guides out there. It's very thorough and it walks you through everything you need to do from the DOD's perspective. Um, so that's another one. Another one is the organization's own policy. The organization will usually have their own policies on what is supposed to be on there. There should have some sort of a baseline where a baseline meaning here's a set of rules that you need to put on every endpoint system. That's your laptops and workstations. Every server needs to have these security controls on it. Every web server needs to look like this. So those are three of the main places you're going to go for implementation of security controls. I hope that helps. So, and normally you're going to rely on your subject matter experts. As an information security, as as an information system security officer person, as a GRC policy person, we're not the subject matter experts on actually implementation of the controls. This is actually one of the easiest things to do because we're kind of we are guiding them through the process. We're not the people normally putting the security controls on the system. Because think about it, you got firewalls, you got routers, switches, you've got uh, workstations, servers, you've got different operating systems. We need subject matter experts on each one of those things. So they implement it. We just guide them through. We just say, hey, here's the stigs. Here's what we need on it. Here's the, here's the uh, vendor's guides on how to do this particular patch. Here's That's what we do. I hope that answers your questions. Let me speed through these. Um, let me see. I'm going to speed through these. I'm going to try to get through more of these as, 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 I, as I can here. I've got a lot of questions, and I, I'm trying to keep, keep up with everybody. So um, can you work without a degree? Yes, you can um, in cybersecurity. And you're going to start off with information technology. You would go to nd.com or LinkedIn or Dice. And then what you want to do is look for IT and then search for entry-level positions with no experience. That's one thing you can do. Or you can say, if you have, let's say you, you have five years of experience in IT, but you want to do cybersecurity. So then you would go to Dice, Monster, LinkedIn, whatever, type in what job you want. Let's say it's cybersecurity and then look for entry-level positions. Um, or you can look for a, degree, a, a position that's not entry-level with no degree. Those, these are all filters that you can do on Indeed, on Monster, on LinkedIn, on all of the main top job search aggregators. The answer is yes. One thing that you have to have, though, is the knowledge. Uh, let me see. Criminal justice and cybersecurity. Is criminal justice and cybersecurity a good combination? That's exactly the degree degrees I have. I've won in criminal justice because I used to be a police officer in the Air Force. And then I've won for uh, 
I have one for IT, not cybersecurity. But the combination uh, allows you to, well, for one thing, um, it's it's pretty good for for physical security. Um, so physical security is, is kind of where it helps. It also helps with jobs in data forensics because da a lot of data forensics and data, for instance, that work for like the Department of Justice or any kind of um, investigative type units, they you're going to have to know a little bit of laws and law enforcement. It's really good to know like chain of custody and what like the laws are really important. And I give you a specific example very quickly. So. When I was in the Air Force, we had somebody who was doing um, we're we're just doing our normal job in, in IT. Right. And we're fixing computers and everything throughout the throughout the unit. And we happen to find um, somebody with. CP on their computer, I'm not gonna, I can't even say the word, but you can figure out what I'm talking about. We found CP on this person's computer, which is illegal. OK. And the law enforcement has to be involved. So now the law enforcement side of me kicks in and I'm like, OK, let's stop what we're doing and let's go contact Air Force OSI, Office of Special Investigations, because they they're the only ones who can handle. There's three things that they handle. Murders, terrorists and CP. OK, now I'm sure now you by now, you know what CP is. That was on this guy's computer. So we we had to shut this guy's computer down and we had to chain of custody, make sure that, you know, it goes from straight from us to the office of of um, Air Force, the Office of Special Investigations. And then they took it from there and then they were asking us questions. Like we had to fill out reports and stuff and say where it came from. We had to collect everywhere this person went on the on the Internet because it turns out they were going to sites at work, which is who does that? So it's crazy, but that's what happened. So does it help you? Yes. So sometimes cybersecurity uh, ties into those uh, just criminal justice and all kinds of stuff. So it can help. My last semester of school and networking. Congrats. Um, honestly, I'm learning. I'm, I'm, honestly, everything I've learned can be found on YouTube. A absolutely everything. I wouldn't say every and not everything, <laughs> not every <laughs> um, most of the basic stuff can be found on YouTube. Once you start getting specialized, YouTube can't help you anymore. <laughs> That's when you go up to a guy like me or you'll Google something and I, my face will pop up and I'll be talking about it. So almost everything. Yeah, is on YouTube. Um, actually studying contract law and criminal justice. Yeah, it, it can actually help you. You'd be surprised. I've I've been surprised a couple times. What's what's the average sal salary of somebody who configures and wires up devices? You talking about a network engineer? Back end? I don't know if you're still on here, but if you're talking about a network engineer, network engineers make let's let's uh just go to the handy dandy Google. So a network engineer, network engineer salary so that's a starts off in colorado if it depends on the where you're at in you know in the world but salary.com and glassdoor puts it in around sixty thousand on average sixty thousand 
to begin and upwards of depending on how complex you get 170,000. Um, so network engineers can make quite a bit, but starting off, it's going to be around 60,000, I'd say 59, 60,000, something like that. Um, I got a security plus how much can I make a year entry level? So entry level depends on, again, salary really depends on the state you're in, the company you work for. If I had to guess, it's for an entry level security plus person. Um, before, let me see if I, how accurate I am. So live security plus entry level really depends on how, let's say entry level, let's say you have a year of experience in the state, let's say state of Colorado, you would probably pull down around 50 to 60. It would, it would be right around what you would make as an entry level network person. Um, so let me see if I'm correct. Let's look up. A salary of a security plus salary entry level. Entry level. Now, there's a lot of caveats. Yeah, 50, 58,000 is what's coming up on Google. That's a good guess. <laughs> That's a good guess. But honestly, it really depends on a lot of things. It depends on what, what you're bringing to the table as far as your experience level. Um, it depends on what state you're in, because some states will pay way higher. It depends on what organization you're in. Um, if you have absolutely no experience, you're probably not going to make 50000 you know, so. Because absolutely no experience is different from entry level. Um, let me see. Criminal justice and cybersecurity is a good combination. Yes, I agree with that. How would... How would you describe your cybersecurity life? I'm a beginner and being and, and be, beginner and getting into this field. How would you describe your cybersecurity life? I'm a beginner getting into this field. It's been a mixture and it depends on what organization I go to. If I'm, if I'm being completely honest with you guys, it's really been a mixture. I've been places that were very, very stressful. I've been to places that were work from home, but very, very stressful. Um, I've been at places that were work from home with no stress at all and were paying me $80 an hour. And that, it was incredible, but it was a part time job. And then I've been at places that that uh, was a mixture. And those are my favorite ones because the pay is pretty average. You know, I'm making over six. I'm making six figures. However, I'm working from home. I'm doing my job. It's a little bit stressful. So it's it's really depends on where what organization I'm a lot of it depends on the organization's um morale how how they treat their people um what their benefits are and um the atmosphere of the of the organization I know it sounds like a cop out but I'm just telling you the truth it really is dependent on where I'm at and the the atmosphere of the company if they treat their people right Sometimes the, the company I'm working for does not have a good relationship with the government and then the government treats us really bad. I've, I've been at a place like that is the most stressful environment, one of the most stressful environments outside of war that I went to um, because they, they really treated us bad. I mean, really, really bad. But we were getting paid pretty good and we had we were writing out the contract or whatever. And at the end, they just, const they just cut off the contract and all of us, let all of us go. Ridiculous. So that was a very stressful job. Um, 
Another place I worked at was private sector. Private sector was incredible because I worked with a team of very elite people. It was very rewarding. Um, it really challenged me and pushed my limits. And then they were teaching us and we would rely on one another. It felt like a real team atmosphere. It was great. I worked at Verizon at that time. However, I had a very difficult customers. And at the time, I just, I don't know, I had a lot of stuff going on. So I had to quit that job. So it de it depends. I would say overall, there is all, there's usually some level of stress with cybersecurity, but it pays really good. And there's been some jobs where I've been able to travel all over the place. I've been able to travel different places in the world while I'm working, making crazy money and, and stuff. So I would say overall, it's great, but there is some level of stress. And if you can't handle, if you don't have I say emotional intelligence. I wouldn't. I wouldn't do cybersecurity. Uh, let me see. If you are more policy, it's eight to five. If you are vulnerability incident response, it's more like seven twenty-four. <laughs> yeah, that's another great point that a couple of people are bringing that. Uh, sea turtle mining is bringing up it depends on the job too like the position so I've, I've done vulnerability well i've done security operations center which the stress was not in the work the stress was the hours we, we were we were working um shift work so i didn't i really don't like shift work and we we're in a skiff so it for me like the work was easy and it was fun because we're, we're cracking packet looking at packets and stuff and like finding breaches and trying to find incidents to respond to. It's, that was really fun to learn that, do that stuff. But I was in a skiff working 12 hour shifts. It, I hate shift work. Uh, so that that's a whole different sector. And then I work information system security officer where I'm just doing documentation. And that really depends on what organization I'm working for and how much, what the atmosphere is like. I've done work from home jobs where it's a part time job. They just pay me a whole bunch of money and just just do this work, get it done. That's kind of my favorite. But at the same time, it's very volatile because they just got this giant contract that only lasts for two, three months. And then they pay me a whole bunch of money and then that's it. You know, so it kind of depends on what's going on. Um, let me see. OK, I'm getting the same questions over and over again. <laughs> All right, back to YouTube. Let me see if I can answer a couple of these questions. Um, so where do you start as a junior information system security officer? Where do you start? Let me show you where you would start as a junior information system security officer. You would start off with this or this document called the NIST 800-37. Not a bad read. Um, it's not too bad. You don't have to read it cover to cover, but this document right here is going to tell you the framework of what you need to know. It's going to tell you this right here is what you want to pay attention to. Let me take you to the, the breakdown of everything you need to do here. Here it is right here. This right here, these steps is what you really need to know. Prepare, categorize, select, assess, authorize and monitor the controls because that's basically what you're doing in a nutshell with information system security officer work. The next thing you want to do besides reading this document is a document called the NIST 853. NIST 853 is all the security controls. NIST 853. Now this stuff is all freely available. Like you can you can 
go ahead and read all the stuff for yourself. The, the challenge is, is the way they word it. Sometimes it's just, they don't, it's not accessible to everyone. Not everybody speaks this language. Not everybody speaks academia. And me, I understand it because I've been doing it so long. So when they're saying things, I'm like, oh, you mean, you know, I'm relating it back in my mind to actual things I've done because I've been doing this since I was 19 years old. You know what I mean? So let me see. Let me show you my screen over here on TikTok so I don't leave you guys behind here. So this is what I'm, this is NIST 853. This is all the security controls in every, all the families. And this is security best practices, by the way. So this is stuff that everybody is supposed to do in their, in their organization. And these things are, you don't have to read this whole book. This is a very long book, a very long um, pamp publication, but it's, if you understand the different families and kind of what each family is doing, you'll have a good understanding of what's supposed to happen in your organization. So I would say this is a very good first start. Now, if you are trying to, uh, if you want to understand this from a layman's perspective, you can check out my book, which is RMF ISO NIST 853. This is on Amazon. It's on Barnes and Noble. It's on wherever you buy books. It's going to be there. This is an audio version of it. Like I'm trying to make it more accessible to everybody, but this is a good first start for you to break down what you need to know. This is perfect for a brand new ISO, by the way, that this is this is where you should probably check out uh, as a new as a new person. And I'm, I'm somebody who's been in an ISO for a very long time on and off, and I've done different aspects of cybersecurity. So I'm speaking from the perspective of somebody who's doing this and not from academia, not from, you know, this is not like abstract. This is stuff I literally am doing now. So you know, for major departments of the of the government. So I can tell you what's going on. Um, from the perspective of a network engineer, your configurations better be on point, LOL. Yeah, actually, <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, let me see, green card holder, how do I get in? I think I already answered that one. TS special access program, now, that's the thing that, yeah. I, I know all about that. I used to, this is what I used to do. That see, they've renamed it Joint Special App Access Program Implementation Guide. Yes. So that's based on the NIST 853, huh? All right. Good to know. Good to know. Thank you guys for the likes. I appreciate it. Let me see. He has been on live for an hour answering questions. <laughs> yeah. Yes. All right. I've answered. Wait, I have more questions. Oh, my Lord. Wow. This is crazy. <laughs> this is crazy. This is wild. Um, here is a site to better understand uh, where the cert alphabet soup is for experts. Okay. Thank you, Tom. Thanks for, for all your help, Tom. I appreciate that. PCI DSS. Um, I don't know what that's in relation to. For a green card holder, how can I get a security control assessor job for or ISO? So I think I already answered this one, so I'll, I'll leave that one. Leave that one alone. Study the NIST 800, John. Yes, we already talked about that. Um, 
you have to live cybersecurity, IT, none of that nonsense, social media, just read up on IT. So this is a, this is a great point. So social media can only take you so far, especially TikTok. No, no offense to TikTok and the Chinese people. <laughs> the People's Republic of um, the CCP, I should say, not Chinese people, um, the CCP who owns TikTok and ByteDance and all that kind of stuff. But um, it can social media can can only take you so far. And what I mean by that is um, at some point, like um, like he's saying, is you have to. You have to crack open a book and uh, because it just goes way deeper than what you can get off of social media and and the, the books that you need to do is nist 800 if you're trying to do it depends on what you're trying to do you know so if you're trying to do um risk management framework if you're trying to do grc for the government you're talking about nist 837 nist 853 if you're trying to be an assessor it's nist 853a it's nist 800 which is the methods for doing assessments. Um, so, and then networking, networking is a whole nother ball game, but that's a whole nother set of books and a whole nother set of security controls and stuff that you need to know if you're doing a network security engineering or whatever. At some point you gotta, this only, this is great for like getting you in the direction you need to go. But at some point you're gonna have to take a very deep dive into all this stuff and, um, and really dive deep. It's going to be a one-on-one -on -one conversation between you and the content. It's not going to be, it's not so, unless you're, maybe if you're in a group and somebody's helping you out, but even then at some point you got to get off, you got to unplug and you've got to read a book. You've got to, this, this is not for the great thing about reading and going deeper in this content is that the deeper you go, the less competition you have. Because not everybody's willing to uh, unplug. Not everybody's willing to take the time to learn it. Not everybody has the patience to learn what I'm, what, what you need, where you need to go. It's a very personal journey, and um, and a lot of people focus on the prize. Here's another thing: you don't focus on the prize, the certification, the degree, all that kind of. I'm not saying don't get it. You should you should get a degree or certification or whatever. That's great because um, it shows people what you know. But the journey is what you got to focus on. It's the journey. If if you if you walk your path, then nobody can tell you anything because you know it. And you, when you take that certification, that's just one step. I mean, it's one step in the right direction. But it's just don't focus on the fruits. You know, for, focus on the whole orchard. The orchard, like you are, you are maintaining an entire orchard of fruits that this path is going to uh, give you, you know what I mean? Like, don't focus on just the cert. And this goes for life as well. Like, don't just focus on like what you can get, the reward, like focus on the the journey. That's what this life is all about. So it's about the journey. Like the journey is what we have to enjoy. You know, like we have to take every step, even the pain, the pain of going forward, putting one foot in front of the other, and, and at the end, like you've you've if you focus on your journey, if you focus on the one step in front of the other and learning everything you need to do at some point, you look back and you have all these fruits. You don't have just one. You don't have just CISSP. You don't have just you know, you have a whole bunch of stuff. And it's been the journey 
that um, that's made that was worth it. Like the journey is its own reward. So for, focus on the journey. Don't focus on the re, the fruits that it bears. I mean, it's it's been something that it took me a long time to learn that. But um, it's that's, you know, <laughs> that's hell of a lesson to learn. So especially if you're a younger person, a lot of times like it's easy to get caught up in in what's next, you know, especially with social media and TikTok. Like you're constantly getting these dopamine hits of like, yeah, what's next? Like sliding, going through, you know, sliding stuff. But the journey of life, the pain, the pleasure, the joy, the 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 learning on your own, that path that you walk by yourself. That is what life is. It's not. It's not social media, man. It's not. That being said, let me answer some more questions from social media. <laughs> All right. Let me see here. Um, JP, thanks for all the for all the lessons here. Appreciate that. Wow, there's a lot of people just teaching on this live. That's great. Thank you, JP. Um, JP says, wait, let me see. Oh, that was a conversation talking about poems, plan of action and milestones. I could talk all day about those things. Oh, there's some confusion between a poem and the, and the, and the preparation phase, I guess. JP says a poem is nothing but a list of problems an organization has. The planning in poem means what does the organization plan to do to fix the issue? Okay, so there was a there was some mix up between step zero. Somebody said frame uh, risk management framework step zero preparation step is to help avoid issues. That's JP. I get you, but poem is actually a negative from the SEA or ISO's perspective, yeah. Let me see, what was the original statement here? JP, preparation is planning, POAM, plan of action and milestone to get the stakeholders on the same page. Okay, so I get, okay, I get what happened here. So the we're talking about the risk management framework. I just put my two cents on it. So a risk management framework process is, um, it's prepare, it's categorized the security controls and then it's selecting the security controls is implementation of security controls is assessment of the security controls once they're in and then there's authorization of the security controls and then it's continuously monitoring the controls that you've put in place and that you've set you you've assessed so that um, you can control the security posture of the organization so plan of action and milestone is one of the tools you use in that process it's it's not it's a it's a part of the process it's a symptom of the process but it's not it's not just prepare or assessing or implementation so i kind of agree i agree with jp here he's saying um a poem is actually a negative thing from the sc i wouldn't say negatives i wouldn't use that word i would say it's a it's a it's a a necessary evil <laughs> that we have to deal with because if you couldn't fix the problem, you have to do what's called a poem, a plan of action, a milestone, which um, they suck. That's for sure. And and essentially, it's like 
you are it's something like you're saying, OK, we can't fix this thing now, but we're going to fix it in six within six month time frame. And then we're going to have milestones to fix it. That means a poem means more meetings. It's going to keep coming back. You didn't fix the problem. And then meanwhile, other poems are coming in. So here's another poem and another poem and another poem. And that's more meetings. Every poem is more meetings, more interactions you got to have with all these other people to get this thing fixed. Because each one of those poems has four or five different plans of action and milestones that you got to do. So um, it's it's something you have to have. And it's a part of the whole process. And they're definitely a pain in the ass. That's for sure. I hate poems. I hate poems. Because a poem means meetings. Okay, let me see. I'm going to answer as many questions as I can on TikTok and YouTube. Um, somebody said, I passed my ISC2 cybersecurity. Oh, it's ISC2 in cybersecurity. That's great. Congrats. I don't, okay. I don't think that cybersecurity is an endpoint. We all... We all learn because it's a constantly changing. Um, do you have do you plan on ever starting a risk management framework pro program to teach people online? I already do have one. Um, it's, if you go to combocourses.com, you can find it there. There's a lots of entry level. There's lots of free stuff. And I'm I probably will do one for everybody, like a GRC course for everybody. I got to see what people think about that. I'm not sure what what you guys would like. I don't like. I got to figure out what people want to learn because there's so many different things. I could teach PCI DSS. I could teach HIPAA. I could teach ISO 27001. I could do a entry level of all GRC, which is what I'm thinking about doing. But right now, if you if you happen to be a NIST 800 person, if you happen to be in GRC for government, I've got a course already to teach people. And it's especially for people who are just got into this and don't know what the hell to do because that's what happened to me. I was kind of thrown into GRC stuff. I was just thrown into it. And I was like, what the hell is this? And I had to start off by reading the actual federal laws, which is a pain in the ass to do because it doesn't make sense. It just it's just all it's just like all lawyer speak because a bunch of lawyers wrote it and it's just hard to do. So I just, you know, the NIST 800 kind of walks you through it. But even that is kind of like written for academia. So I. You know, anyway, there's a course out there to help you. I, it's something that I wish I would have had when I first started. If you go to combocourses.com, it'll you can find it there. Do you do mentoring? I do not have time to do mentoring. This is the best I can do so far. I have a full time job. It's, it's pretty stressful. And between that and and, you know, writing books and stuff, I just don't have time to do mentoring. I wish I did. People are always asking me for it. People are willing to pay me for it. But it had to be I don't know what amount of money I have to do to do to put myself through that kind of kind of pain <laughs> of doing mentoring. Um, maybe one day when I have more time, I'll, I'll do like more one-on-one -on -one type mentoring. But right now, the best I can do is this right here. So if you have any questions whatsoever, if you happen to buy my course, I'll answer questions directly, one-off questions, you know, but mentoring where we're meeting once a week or something, and I'm telling you this and that, I'm, kind of done it a little bit but not at this time i'm i'm you know i have, I have a job i have a full-time job i'm a single father i just do not have time for it um any any good resource for understanding interpreting network diagrams oh man does anybody i don't off the top of my head have 
any kind of any place where you can go to learn network diagrams is anybody else i bet you somebody on this live has information on this if you guys have one i'll i'll talk about it here and i'm i'll show it but i don't off the top of my head i don't know i don't have one the cisco cisco.com when i was a network engineer I, cisco has some really good resources actually for network for basic networking um yeah cisco.com has some really good stuff on basic networking, network diagrams, network, um, how to build Visio diagrams and stuff. They have something, but there might be a better one. So if anybody has one, I'll, I'll talk about it on here. Uh, let me see here. Let me, I'm trying to get through questions. LinkedIn profile one plus. Um, um, let me see. What other questions do I have here? I'm kind of I'm scrolling through, trying to get through some of these. Um, I got not, I have a hundred people. Oh my lord, this is a lot. <laughs> Holy crap! Um, this is a lot. I've got over one hundred comments here. There's no way I'm going to answer all of these. Oh man. Do I? Okay, I'm going to go down to the bottom of the list here. Thank you guys for watching. I appreciate everybody's questions, but I, it's too many. Um, as a developer, I never understood cybersecurity. Uh, as a developer, I never understood cybersecurity. They seem to know everything, including everything, including um, development. So my experience coding with Kiko, um, I... As a cybersecurity person, I don't know everything, and that's why I lean on the subject matter experts, which is you guys. All I know is, all I know is the regulations. I just know what we're supposed to do. Like for for developers, I know that we have in NIST 800, we have something called, um, is it is it SA SA controls? We have SA controls, which is security. It's it's acquisition controls and what it forces us to do from like it's coming from the federal government and they're telling us, hey, if you're going to develop software. What you need to do is make sure that only software developers and people who need it can access the libraries, because if you can corrupt the libraries. Right. So we have to make sure the organization as a whole has some method of protecting the software libraries, the DLL files. And so nobody gets in there and messes around with it. We got to make sure that you're not going to GitHub and pulling in some code that has mal malicious code in it. So it's going to corrupt our, you know, our infrastructure. So I don't, I don't know. I don't claim to know everything. I've got to reach back to you guys, the subject matter experts to say, okay, well, what, what, what libraries do we have? Cause I don't know. You're the subject matter expert on, on that. Now, okay, how can we secure it? Do we have? I know that we can secure it like this. We can have, we can have a role where only software developers access this particular folder and file or server that has the DLL or the libraries on it. We can do stuff like that. So that's one of the things that we can do. And another thing is, do we have a change management process? Do we have a configuration management process? that includes the software developers for software developers. I need to know. And see, this is not a lot of people kill the messenger. You guys, the software developers, the network engineers, we really get it from all sides. The system administrator, they hate our guts, but we're, we're just the messenger. 
We're just telling you what the industry standards are saying that we need to do. We're not we're just the messenger, you know, and I think that sometimes our approach, sometimes some some cybersecurity people's approach is bad. They, they come in like they know everything. They come in there like they're the police or something and they don't know how to de-escalate situations. They don't have emotional intelligence. So they come at you like wrong. They come at you like they know everything and you have to do this and their egos get involved and stuff. But that's not how we should. You know, the way that to be about this is to tell you in context what we're supposed to do and what we, our organization, this has to do to protect ourselves from a breach, from a data breach, from insider threats, because we're seeing things that you might not be privy to. We're seeing things like people leaking code to our competitors. We're seeing that. We're seeing we're seeing stuff on the dark web. We're seeing your email address on the dark web. That's what we're seeing. So we're so it's understandable how some cybersecurity people get in a panic about it because we're seeing stuff that you guys don't see that can affect you, all of us. It can affect our bottom line. It can affect, affect our money. It can affect your personal security because we're that's what we're seeing. So sometimes the cybersecurity people are very panicky because, and you shouldn't be in this field. You got to have more patience. You got to have empathy. I got to see things from your perspective as a coder because I'm just trying to protect our interest as a company. I'm trying to limit our risk because I'm seeing your code on the dark web. I'm seeing your, like, why? Now we have to figure out why that is as a cybersecurity person. So there's certain things that if we if we do basic things, we won't have incidents like what happened with Uber. I don't know if you heard about this, but Uber's Uber got freaking hacked. Like Twitter's getting hacked. Like usually this stuff happens because organizations are not doing basic things that they're supposed to do that are preventable. You know, so we just need to make sure that the the DLL files are protected. You know, all uh, DLL files, our libraries, our code libraries are protected. Um, our system uh system files are protected we got to make sure that we're doing change management we got to make sure that we're doing documentation on the code like you're writing code but there's comments in there so that if you leave the organization somebody else comes in they can say okay i see what they did here when they're reading their comments about whatever you are coding so i hope that they give some perspective on on cybersecurity, like what our role is to you and and not like confusing it with somebody's some people's attitude about it. Like they want to be all up in your business or or like they know everything or something. I'm let me let you in on a little secret. Most cybersecurity people, they only know cybersecurity. They don't know how to code. <laughs> you know, it's just because we can't know everything. We can't be the firewall expert. And I mean, some people are. I'm, I met some polymaths in cybersecurity who do who literally do know almost everything. Um like some piece of everything, not every, literally not everything, but they know some piece of everything and they can code, they can do firewalls, they can do like, you know, most guys are not like that. Most people, they know a little bit, they have to know a little bit, I mean, normally it's coming from the actual organization's uh, policies and stuff. So uh, let me see. How can I learn cybersecurity, computer science and other things for tech and I'm in high school for the tech industry in high school. Um, I've gotten this question before. And if you look through my uh, TikTok, I've got a TikTok specifically for high schoolers. What I would do if I was in high school right now, um, there's a couple of things that are really hot. One of which is cybersecurity. One is cloud computing. and One is AI. So what I would do is I would do projects 
um, surrounding one of those things. It's, it's super beneficial to know the basics and become a geek yourself. What I mean by that is fix your own computer, fix your own network, um, mess around with the configuration settings on your, on your laptop or your phone, know how to do stuff. Take the time to know how to do it. Be a geek and a nerd and just obsess over it. Watch technical videos about it. Um, there's so much content out there for you that you don't even have to pay a, nothing. You don't have to pay no money to learn. start learning because you have your own computer, your own network, your own infrastructure right now that you can actually start learning this stuff in high school, mind you. But another step that you can do is join a club within high school. If the, if the high school has some sort of a club for hacking, join it. If they have a, like a computer, we used to have like something where a bunch of nerds would get together and we would just build systems or we'd bring our computers in and like build a computer to get, you know, like this person had this computer and we, we'd have these projects where we're actually building it. And that's the, one of the best ways to learn, especially in high school, because they'll have these clubs where you can actually do that together. Another thing you can do is if you have a college prep course that goes into the introduction, introductions to computers, do that. That's another really great way to learn. Start learning it. Um, right now, what you want to do is try to learn as much, absorb as much information as possible, not just cybersecurity, any kind of industry in information technology. Somebody said Try Hack Me is a good site and a good resource for learning cybersecurity. Absolutely. I was absolutely, I was actually going to mention that. There's Try Hack Me and there's, there's another one that uh, Hack the Box is another one. This is a site that you can go to and actually learn pen testing. And it teaches you by doing. So that's one of the best ways to learn. There's tons of tools, tons of free resources that you can learn, you can use right now to actually do it and learn it right now in high school. But college prep courses is another really good place to start because you're going to be getting a leg up on everybody. And those college prep courses have credits that will help you if you choose to go to college. That'll be a college credit that you can use going to college. And then once you get in college, start, uh, you can do work student programs that will literally, some will pay you while you're getting experience. And then what you want to do with that is put a resume out on LinkedIn, on monster.com, on dice.com and tell them your experience level. And then you'll start getting job offers. And you can do all of that while you're in school, to be honest with you. So that's what I would do if I were you. Is cybersecurity is is cybersecurity a hard degree to pursue? I think it depends on on the on the on the degree itself and the curriculum because there's many kinds of cybersecurity degrees. I myself do not have one. I have an information technology degree. You don't, and that's another thing is if you're trying to get in this field, you don't have to have a cybersecurity degree, which is crazy. Um you don't have to have one. So cybersecurity contracts, a lot of times they're looking for STEM. That's science, technology, engineering, mathematics. If you have any one of those degrees, um, you can get yourself a six-figure job in this field. In the private sector, in the government sector, as a contractor in the private, in, in, private as a contractor uh, with the government, it's, there's so many opportunities out there for you. So it's, I mean, I just don't understand why pe more people don't do it. And it's it's uh, recession-proof. You hear about all these layoffs with Google and layoffs with Microsoft and all this panic and stuff about the stock market, about 
SP S&P 500 or whatever. I'm not I'm not worried about none of that stuff, to be honest with you. I'm I am employed right now. And I actually was in between jobs and I was not worried about a job at all because I do cybersecurity. And uh, it's all because, you know, like if you really want it, you can have it. Let me see here. Got some more questions. Uh, how can I learn cybersecurity in your high school? Can I learn? I already answered that one. Developer. Um, he is reading YouTube chat. Yeah, I've, I've got YouTube questions and comments. There's a whole conversation going on on YouTube. This guy's next level for for network cybersecurity. Oh, okay. The professor, the professor Messer is a great study guide material. Look him up. This guy's next level for network cybersecurity. I hear a lot about Professor Messer. Yeah, check him out. Um, it's very good for entry level stuff. I believe some of his entry level stuff is really, really good. I think he's on Udemy and stuff. Udemy and maybe a couple of other one of those training sites. Great for people who are trying to learn this from scratch. Uh, let me see. What is your knowledge about PKI? Very little. I have a very rudimentary understanding of PKI. I'm not, I am not a PKI expert. I do not have to know how to implement it. Um, public key infrastructure. That's about all I know. <laughs> Now, I mean, I know a little bit about it. I know it's the levels of encryption um, for it. I know there's different kinds of vendors who provide PKI, but I don't, I I cannot install it, to be honest with you, you know, or anything like that. Um, somebody said, do you miss your hair? I, yeah, I haven't had hair since I was, even when I had hair, I would just shave it off. Yeah, that's just me. <laughs> so I don't, I wish, I wish my beard wouldn't grow. I hate beards. I wish I just hate, hate, hate beards. Um, is programming a necessity for cybersecurity? No. Cybersecurity uh, programming is I don't know how to program. I make six figures. I work from home. I've been working from home since 2014 and I don't know how to program. Um, I mean, I've taught myself to program before, but but that was to make my own app. You remember that during that time when apps were blowing up? And people were like making all this money on member Flappy Birds. So I was trying to do like my own, like a Flappy Birds because people were making like a billion dollars off of freaking Flappy Birds and stuff. That Vietnamese dude, I can't remember his, his name, but that dude was awesome. He made his own, he made that Flappy Birds. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember this. Maybe I'm dating myself, but the dude who made Flappy Birds, <laughs> he made like millions of dollars and he coded that himself. And then there was like iron pants and like my kids were telling me about all this stuff. My kids were like, they were like, hey, dad, have you ever heard of Flappy Birds? I was like, what the hell is that? And then they said, look, at it, here it is right here. You know, and they showed me. I was like, oh, this is. And I was like, damn, this is kind of simple. And, and then I looked it up. I'm like, where is this? And the dude's a Vietnamese dude made a million dollars off some stuff he coded in his spare time. I was like, what the what am I doing? Why, why am I working in cybersecurity? So I started making my own program and I made a couple. They sucked. I had to teach myself coding to make a program and it was so bad. It took me four months to do and it was so horrible, had all these issues. And then so I just hired a coder to redo what I did and they did 
they did what I did in like a week <laughs> and it was way better. And I'm like, damn, I sh- you know what? I don't think I should code. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, do you have to know how to code? No. So none of the jobs that make six figures that I've I've had, I've been making six figures since 2009 or something. I've been working remotely since 2014 and I don't know how to code. There's been times when it would be nice for me to know like regex or something. But I'll just Google it. I'll be like, okay, what's the command to do this Blanc stuff? I was like, Google. Okay. Just type it. Copy. Okay, there we go right there. Boom. So you have to know how to program. <laughs> uh, let me see. What would what would be the best industry to work in as a cybersecurity expert? Retail, mobile. Right now, right now in this industry, that's a great question. That's a who is this? Rugali Rugali? I don't know how to pronounce your word, but that's a effing great question. So the right now, because the because the economy is the way it is, retail is taking a hit. Uh, the any kind of IT organizations are taking a hit. Like all those people who are making saying, I made 200000 they're getting laid off, baby. Right now, I'm not happy about that. It's not cool, but <laughs> But uh, right now, the industries that are hot, that are still hiring, is the government, <laughs> government jobs, uh, critical infrastructure jobs are still hiring. Um, who else is still hiring? I'm just, I'm always getting, mostly it's government and critical infrastructure, like that keep sending me different job opportunities. Contractors for those industries are contacting me. But uh, right now, it's not good to be in. Uh, I can tell you ones that retail is probably not hot right now because nobody's really people. The less people are buying right now. So great question. Uh, let me see. How do you get in the door without coding experience? Uh, so I'll tell you a couple of them. Couple. Here's a couple. Don't judge. The military. The military is a great introduction without coding, okay? And I know how you feel about that, but military is awesome. If you really are trying to start out, um, yeah, well, I recommend it. I would. I don't tell my kids you go into the military, to be honest with you, but because I was in the military, and it's just be just be advised. You can probably go to war, like, and that, and that shit's real. Like, it's not on TV. It's real. <laughs> and you don't want to go there. <laughs> you do not want to go there. Uh, another place you could start is um, without coding experience. Um, if you are in college already and you're working on your science, technology, engineering, mathematics, any of those degrees, you can do an internship and an apprenticeship. If you don't, you're not going to the military, you're not going to college. The one thing you can do is start learning the knowledge, right? You, you need you. You're not exempt from knowing the, the the basics of information technology. So, what you need to do is learn the basics of information technology. That means you need to learn you need to learn how computers work. You need to learn how networking, how packets are sent over a network. What's the difference between a WAN and a LAN? You need to know. You don't need to know how to code, but you need to understand how programs, programming, and programs work. Like that's what you need to know. You don't need to know 
Java or JavaScript or any of that stuff, SQL, but you need to know enough to know how it works, like what is going on. It's not magic. How is it working? You don't need to know like a breakdown of the mathematics of it, but you need to know how it works. One of the certifications I recommend people get if you don't know anything, you're not a geek, nothing, you're starting off from scratch and you're not going to be coding is A plus CompTIA A plus certification. It's a great start because it's telling you all the basics. Once you get that, once you get that knowledge base, then you can go ahead and apply for an entry level position where they're going to teach you like a, a job that doesn't require experience. They do exist. They don't pay very much, but that's where you want to start to get your foot in the door. And then you do that for about, I don't know, six months to a year. You get that 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 uh, experience under your belt doing that. Then you know it. Then what, what that's going to do is it's going to not only teach you how to do it and get you some experience, but it's going to bring it's going to broaden your horizons of what you can do. You might not even want to do cybersecurity. There's so many other fields and stuff in IT, like there's network. You might just be really good at networking and then start doing that. You might somebody in your department might be really good at database and then they take you under their wing and start teaching you SQL. And then you start getting really good at that. You There's so many branches that you can take once you get your foot in the door and start doing the actual work. You'll find that you're you're good at one or something. You know, you'll be really good at one one of the one thing or the other. Somebody said, I want to get a bachelor's degree in cybersecurity. Should I do what should I do now to put me ahead? Um, what you should do now, what I would do is is start off. If let's say I don't know anything, I want to get a bachelor's degree. What I would do immediately is, is take on some sort of a project. I would take on some, I would like start a web, I would do a website, create a website from scratch learn some HTML, or maybe you want to uh, start cloud engineering, do a cloud engineering project where you set up a, a server on the cloud, do um, or build a computer from scratch, like get a, all the components, build your own gaming system, something you want to do, something that's in your lane, something that you like, it's, you can be passionate about, like some, you're going to get some use out of it when you do it. You can also do things like somebody mentioned it, um, there's Try Hack Me. There's a site called Try Hack Me. Go to Google, type in Try Hack Me. It's a site where you can go and like it'll teach you how to hack like by doing it. There's one called Hack the Box. Same thing. It's gonna teach you how to hack by doing it. You can also learn coding if you want to go the, the route of coding. You can actually learn coding right now. I would recommend Python or PHP for cybersecurity people. Very very good to learn if you are a cybersecurity person. You don't have to learn it, but it's you said where do you start to get ahead? Those things. Um, your own project. Um, what else could you do to start? No, I feel like I'm forgetting some stuff, but those, that's what I would do to start. I would start my own project and just get learning. And actually you could just start doing stuff in your right now. You can do it in, on your system. You can do, you can download systems like, um, programs like, um, what is it called? Oh man. VMware. There's one called VMware. There's a one called virtual box. Um, and I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting a couple of them, but you download that right to your computer and then boom, you've got you, you can actually build networks, uh, start hacking systems on a virtual system that you set up and stuff. Those are great places to start before you even start your bachelor's degree. OK, let me see. I'm going to YouTube. Somebody said. OK, there's a conversation going on here. YouTube. 
Thank you guys for all your questions. I really appreciate it on YouTube here. What are your favorite authors in cybersecurity to learn new categories in cybersecurity? Um, there's a couple of resources right that out that I like. Um, some of the podcasts are really good. There's one called Security Now. Um, Security Now is a really good one. Um, I wish I had to have a book. I can't remember the dude's name, but there's a couple of um, God dang it! What? And I wish I had it with me. I don't have it. But I was I was learning uh, CEH stuff, and this dude's a really great writer. And I cannot. Let me see if I can bring him up. So anyway, while I'm bringing this up, Security Now is a really good podcast from um, This Week in Tech. Those guys are really good. So that's a good place to to try to mess around with. And what is that book called? CEH certification. I know this is not this is not in line with your with your question, but I want to I just want to plug this dude because he's I like this book he wrote. It's really good. Um, CEH. What is this dude's name? I can't remember his freaking name. I really like this book. Bear with me. I'm going to show you guys a pretty good CEH book. Wow, this internet's going pretty damn slow. Matt Walker, that's his name. This dude right here. This is one category um, of one of the many categories of um, cybersecurity. Dude, the way this guy writes, I like. I like the way he writes and stuff. Really good book. Highly recommended, Matt. Matt Walker, um, very um, informal way of writing, but he covers all the material. Good stuff. But your question was, what's an entry level person? An entry level? I mean, just if it's entry level, you can you can really just read anybody. Really, I mean, you can just if you entry level. Man, for cybersecurity entry level, cyber, look, watch this, cybersecurity, because it's all the same information, really, you know? So it this really, at that point, it's just like how, how they present the information, cybersecurity um, intro, introduction. I'm, I've been thinking about writing a book like this because it's, it's kind of the same stuff, but this book right here probably... Just any, I mean, any book, really, you know, it's been so long since I read these entry level books that I, I don't have a preference on it. You know what I mean? But this like this one, cybersecurity for dummies, like some just basic stuff, because that in the beginning, you want any knowledge. Don't you don't have to be picky about the knowledge. Just start learning, you know, start learning. And then from there, you can you can get uh, all picky about what you want to what you want to do or who you learn or how you learn it and all that kind of stuff in the beginning, anything is good. Anything, all the, all the best security practice stuff is good. I'm writing my CEH in about two months and, and what advice would you give me for studying for it? Um, I, you know, to be honest, Rugali, I, I did not take the security plus I, I mean the CEH. Sorry, I did not the I would not take the CEH. I, I wanted to, but I've just been too busy. But um, advice. I mean, how I study. I mean, I would say is know your learning style. 
I would say my advice would be learn, know your learning style. For me, writing things down really works for me. So what I'll do is I'll take notes. I'll like, what I'll do is I'll take a, a piece of paper and then I'll like split it in half. I'll like fold it, fold it in half. And then on one side, I'll write the questions and on one side, I'll write the answers. And then when I'm done with the whole book, I summarize the whole book, like on basic stuff. I don't, it forces me when I'm writing down, it forces me to only stick with stuff I really need to know. And I like, I'm really weak on like cryptography. I just, it's just like, doesn't stick. So I normally have to study that stuff. You know, the difference between um, isometric and I'm probably brutal, brutalizing it's symmetric and asymmetric cryptography. Like, I don't like, like, I don't know that stuff. So I have to write it down the different kinds of and then I'll study my notes when I'm done. I'll go through the whole book and then I'll study my notes when I'm done. And then I go start taking like a thousand questions. I'll do I'll write I'll there's a database of thousands of questions, randomized questions that people take out of the out of the domains of CEH and um, not not brain dumps because. Sometimes they'll put people put like fake stuff in there or whatever. Don't I wouldn't mess with brain dumps, uh, but I would just do a big ass questions and a big ass list of questions, like a thousand, three thousand questions. And by the time you're done with all your notes, by the time you're done with all the questions and stuff, you'll the you'll be like, just give me the question. Let's give me the test. Just I got to get this stuff out of my head and you'll you'll pass for sure. What are some of the good books for uh, SLC uh, work? So for SLC works, some some of the books that have been coming out is um, there's a CompTIA certification called um, CYSA plus. And so that covers some of the basics you need to know for for Security Operations Center. So that's a good one. Um, any any uh, knowledge based on that one? The best stuff to get and i don't know how accessible it is it's it's kind of going to be kind of expensive but the gcia has the best certifications for sock work the best hands down the best the top the most incredible certifications and people who i've known who had them really knew their stuff so i would highly recommend that stuff for uh for for security operations center gcia sans gcia let me show you what i'm talking about got a security specialist position and mainly doing sock work for phishing alerts and detection yeah so um probably let me just come to uh let me let me show you what i'm talking about this one called cysa plus and this is training security, cybersecurity analysts to do this stuff. Let me show you what I'm talking about. And what's great about these some of these certifications that people don't talk about is that they have a really good common body of knowledge. What I mean by that is there's certain things that you're supposed to know in these fields. There's certain things that they are expecting you to know in, in a SOC. There's certain things that they expect you to know in um, in as a cybersecurity analyst, and these certifications cover all those domains. So if you know these things, you know it's going to help you out. There's the prices right there; it's not cheap, but um, they have instructor-led stuff. But you can just get the take the read the books on it, 
and the books will break down some of the stuff you need to know. But there, that's that one. And then there's one called and this one's more steep and it goes way, way deeper in the security stuff. But GCIA from SANS, this is probably the best premier stuff you can get. Pro level stuff right here. This is really deep stuff. But if you know this stuff, it's and this is not cheap. But if you can get your organization to pay for this, highly, highly, highly recommend it. Not cheap. Um, is an open book test, but my lord, they're gonna make you pay for this. So this is a very expensive course. This is one of them. It's going super deep in the packet, breaking down individual packets to see if you're being hacked and stuff. It's crazy deep. Another one is GCIA incident handler, incident incident GCIH. That's what it is. GCIH. Let me see if I can find that one. Here's GCIH. Incident handler, you have a security incident. What do you do uh, for this one? That's this is another good one so that you can do. See, see the stuff that they're covering: password attacks, uh, post ex exploitation attacks. They probably cover um, MITRE attack framework and endpoint attack and pivoting. So these are the things you need to know in a security operations center. But they got books on this. Like you can actually go go to Amazon.com and then check out the book on it. And it's going to break down all the stuff you need to know. So those are the things that those are the certifications that uh, will break that boil down all the, the main um, common body of knowledge you need to know for a security operations center. I used to be I used to be in the security operations center. It was it was fun. It was it, I learned a lot of stuff. I didn't like the shift work so much, but. I like doing it. Yeah, no problem, man. I pre appreciate you asking the questions. All right. I think I'm going to, I've been talking for like two hours <laughs> and um, I'm going to, I'm going to call it quits guys. Thank you guys so much for asking your questions. I really, TikTok is crazy. Like I, there's so many questions. There's like a hundred different responses and I, there's no way you know, I'm going to be able to answer them all, but I really appreciate everybody who's joining. I'll do more of these. I'll try to do more of these throughout the week, especially on, on YouTube and um, on uh, Facebook and stuff. So um, expect more content. If you want more, if you want to go deeper in this, combocourses.com. I'm also going to start a Discord. I actually have a Discord. I'm going to start introducing that. Join my newsletter. We I I'm talking to people constantly. You know, it's not just these videos that are once a week. It's constant. I'm, I'm, I'm telling people jobs. I'm, I'm telling, I'm doing podcasts. I'm, there's all kind of communications going on. It's a community. So if you want to join this, go to ComboCourses.com. Join my newsletter. Go to podcast, uh, Combo Courses podcast, and I'm there. We're talking all the time. And then the Discord server will be, I'm going to be introducing you guys to that real soon. All right. That's it, guys. Thank you for watching. I appreciate it. I don't know how the hell I got 50 people watching all of a sudden on TikTok, but I, I got to I gotta cut this thing. I'm going to freaking, my head's going to explode. Um, I got mouths to feed and stuff, so I got to get the hell off this thing. <laughs> but thanks a lot. Uh, appreciate everybody. Um, and that is it. That is it. Holy crap, that's a long one. <laughs>